couple of years ago, I was watching TV, and I was just like, you know, that I just don't see the difference in high def anymore. And I was like fiddling around with the cables and trying is it 1080p or 580 or all and all this stuff. And it turned out I needed glasses. Oh man! <laughs> and then I got my eyes checked, and I and I got glasses on. I'm like, oh, okay, now this looks high def again. So I don't know, maybe you need an eye exam. <laughs> Right, you didn't say it. I know, I almost missed it. Um, this is episode number 43. Is that right, Tim? You got it. The first time in a long right. time. <laughs> finally. Finally. It's been at least like two months. Since yeah. Right. <laughs> Sorry, but there's no prize for guessing the correct number. I was hoping for that uh, trooper that you have. Oh, my. Commander Cody? <laughs> yeah, you're <laughs> Commander Cody. I was hoping for that. Nothing is going to make me give that away, or even sell it, for that matter. <laughs> so what if J.J. Abrams came, came up to you and was like, Tim, <laughs> oh, here's no. what. All I want is your Commander Cody statue, and I'll, I'll put you in the movie. I'll put you in the movie, and you can see the movie before anybody can. Okay, I stand corrected. That could probably make you give away. <laughs> <laughs> see, I always get you, I always get you. That is true, yeah. But the odds of that happening are like a million to zero. <laughs> Not even a million to one, a million to zero. <laughs> well, I thought you knew J.J. Abrams, Tim. Uh, I can see where you might think I know him, being such a massive Star Wars fan as I am. You figure I know everybody, right? Like Just like I know George Lucas. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it, he, he's George to you, and J.J. Abrams is J.J. to you, and uh, Christopher Nolan is Chris to you. No, I just call so, J.J.J. J. Just J. Oh, J. Hey, oh, up, J? so you don't even go the double J. For yeah, that type. Just go straight. Wow. Sorry, Tim. <laughs> do, you, do you have any insider scoops that, that you can uh, propagate over the internet and it ends up being false anyway? <laughs> <laughs> There's so many that I have, I don't even know where to start. That was going to be a Star Wars crossover with a, a Disney franchise that I can't yet reveal. It's going to be for the standalone projects. So. <laughs> now here, here's what Disney slash Lucasfilm is going to do. They're going to cancel Episode 7, all the spin-off movies. And um, they're going to make uh, a Jar Jar musical. <laughs> oh, man. I would actually love to see that. Just <laughs> yeah, just out of curiosity. How crazy, exactly, like, how, yeah. Yeah, like, how would they do that? But... <laughs> Hey, it's an idea, right? Nothing but Gungans on the play. <laughs> Singing. Oh, God. If they can make that Spider-Man musical, they can do that. I wonder if that movie would ever make more than a quarter of its budget back. <laughs> I, there's Star Wars fans out there who would see it. I would. <laughs> but yeah, probably right. Yeah, I don't know if it'll make its budget back. Well, it depends on what the budget is. Maybe if it's really cheap. Maybe it's $150 million. I don't know. Nothing but Gungans in a movie that's a musical. <laughs> hey, you, need, you need all that CG, and 
you need somebody to write the songs, and you need a director that's familiar with with uh, special effects and visual effects. Well, Jar Jar is pretty easy to animate now, I and mean, that was the first like true digital character that they. Oh made. yeah. So they got that down back. So there shouldn't be too yeah. many. I think we can do that with like a hundred bucks now, right? <laughs> we, could, we could do that, right? Hey, screw the CG. Let's just get a Jar Jar costume. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you're tall, right, Tim? So. Yeah, so I can pull up. I'm lanky. <laughs> you know, sp- speaking of box office numbers, you know how Titanic is like that movie that made a lot of money? Yeah, don't remind me. I was a sad day yeah, with I mean, Star Wars. <laughs> it was in theaters for a long time, right? Yeah. So did people really go back to see that movie? I mean, did people really do that? Yeah, they did. That's what was so crazy about it. I mean, unfortunately, I wasn't alive when Star Wars first came out, and how that was that number one for so long. It just, like, nothing could stop it. So, really, Titanic was the first movie I experienced that was such a monster hit. I remember just every week, like a month after it came out, waiting for what movie's going to overtake it at number one. And I believe it finally happened in April. And do you know what movie finally knocked it out? What movie, too? I'm pretty sure. I might be wrong on this, but according to my memory, it was Lost in Space, the the remake of that oh, TV really? show. Yeah, <laughs> I think that was what knocked it out. Going with, um... William Hurt. Was he in that? Yeah, I think so. Okay. And uh, The guy from Friends was in that, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Matthew, Matt LeBlanc. Uh, Matt LeBlanc, is it? Yeah, Matt Le- LeBlanc. Wow, I can't believe that movie knocked off. <laughs> <laughs> Titanic came out in December, and that movie, I think, came out in April. So, man, I had a pretty good, like, five months of being at number one, which is insane. When you think about that yeah. now, no movie's going to do that now. Hopefully, episode yeah, seven. Yeah, no, will. but, like, <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, hopefully episode seven will, but, like, I have never watched that movie in in its entirety, and, like, I can't believe that there's people that went back to that movie. Yeah, it's, like, not one of those movies where... three, four, five times. I know, it gets me. Yeah, sure, the visual effects were good back in the day, but, like... But it's just a boat and some icebergs. (laughs) It's a love story. I mean, it's a love story you've seen time and time again. What's so special about it? Maybe the special effects? But, I mean, that just blows my mind. Like, I, I can't believe that... People went back to go see Titanic three, four, five, six times. I know. You think it's going to be, I mean, it is remembered for being such a big box office movie, but when you look back on it, is it truly like one of the great classic movies that you remember? Like, maybe I'm biased because of Star Wars now it took over for it, but I don't think, in my mind, it's not one of those, like, classics. Like, like you would think of maybe Gone with the Wind or Citizen Kane and all that. It's truly classics of cinema, but... I don't know, it made all that money, so maybe at the time people considered it was, but I don't know if they still look at it that way now. And I think it's maybe a James Cameron thing, because what's the next movie that took over Titanic? Avatar. There's a conspiracy there, I think. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, why Avatar, too? I yeah. Mean, I okay. like, why Avatar? I mean, the only I mean, thing I could think yeah. of is a 3D, which bumped up the ticket sales, and I'm sure that helped, but still. I yeah, but the general population movie. is going to go to the regular 2D, and, I mean, there, there's really nothing special about it. I mean, they go to the planet with the blue people, and uh, whatever happens, I don't know. I, I, that's one of the movies that I haven't seen yet. Same here. Yep. Yeah. I really but, don't have the desire to anyway, anymore anyway. Yeah, me neither. Like, I don't care about Avatar. I mean, maybe we're the only two people that haven't seen it in, in the entire world, except for, like, the heart of Africa, but, like, I just have no interest in that movie. Yeah, None I think, whatsoever. Just like Titanic. Yeah, I think they're blowing it as far as waiting too long for the sequels, because I don't think those are coming out for another 
three years or something, and like the hype on that on the first Avatar has died down so much that I, because I'm hoping like it's not going to have the same big impact that it did before with these sequels. Cause I don't think as much people care about it any as in, as much anymore. Yeah, you know what'd be funny though is let's say it comes out in 2017 or something, and uh, in 2015 Episode Seven becomes the biggest um, box office success in the world. And then Avatar 2 comes along and just smashes that record. Ah, no. <laughs> well, then hopefully Episode 8 will take over. Yeah. There'll be a back and forth. <laughs> Each sequel I'll know the next. But I don't know. I don't get it. I wasn't interested in Titanic at, at the time. Well, I mean, I, I was I was nine years old when that movie came out, but I still have no interest in that movie, and I have no interest in seeing Avatar either. So, I mean, I just don't get it. Here, here. <laughs> Even though I did see Titanic when it first came out, but I saw it once and I have no desire to see it again. <laughs> so since you've seen it, Tim, what's so special about it? What makes it, I'm so addicted to this movie, I have to go back. I mean, I went back to go see Dark Knight Rises time and time again, same thing with the Dark Knight, over and over again, because I'm interested in Batman. I can't really think that those people that went back all those times were fans of the, t- the Titanic. Yeah, it was all like diehard Titanic fans that were waiting for the movie just because they like the history of it and all that. I'm sure there was some people, but to have it be the success that it was, I mean, for me, the movie itself, there's, yeah, there's really nothing too great about it that sets it apart from, like I mentioned, the other movies. I really don't get it either. Like, I mean, you said it sure it had some great effects at the time, and apparently a lot of people loved the love story that it had in there, but at the same time, it's nothing new that we haven't seen before. And that song, too. Uh, oh, that was God. Worse. I still hear it today. Yeah, I still hear it today. And every time I hear it, it's like bashing my head into a cement wall. Yeah. Just the, the way the media treated that song, I remember, it's like everywhere, even on news reports, I remember something stupid where there's like a school, like a shooting at a school, or like at a prom or something. Wait, wait, what? They're, they're just a, a shooting at a... Yeah, like a school dance or a school prom. School. And then for some reason, the news reporter said, and the song that was playing was the theme song from Titanic when this occurred, like... Really? You have to mention that? <laughs> I, I think they're just trying to latch their story onto, like, this big Titanic Yeah, but come on. It's, it's a tragedy that happened. You're trying to link it to that? Come on. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, that song wasn't even good, too. Yeah. <laughs> Celine Dion, period, isn't good. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry if I piss Celine Dion fans off, but I can't say I'm a fan. <laughs> At the very least. <laughs> I don't know. I just don't get it. So hopefully Episode 7 will come out or Batman Superman will come out and just smash that record. I doubt it, but I know. Uh, uh, there's always hoping. I tell you, when Dark Knight first came out and the, the numbers it had for its opening weekend, I was like, oh, man, this could be it. The movie that knocks out Titanic <laughs> and to be Batman out of all movies would be so awesome. But uh, it just felt yeah. a little short. <laughs> but, um, you know, speaking of uh, Batman and movies, uh, we're going to do a new segment. Um, as you know, the the Batman universe has their Dark Knight Rises commentary. Uh, us Batfans guys, we're not really on that, so uh, we decided to do our own commentary. But uh, we got to keep it original. We we have to keep it Batfansy without yes. pansy. That's right? <laughs> that's a great word, right there. <laughs> Batfansy without pansy. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! <laughs> uh, well, we gotta keep it honest. Let's put it that way. Yeah. So we'll just drag each other up. 
Uh, so, so we're going to be doing it uh, minute by minute. So, um, you know, this episode we're going to do the zero to one minute, and then <laughs> such a great idea. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> if you really think about it, it's so stupid. <laughs> so stupid is good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but but we're going to do it minute by minute. Keep it short. Um, if, if you want a good commentary, you can go and listen to the uh, the Batman Universe commentary. They did a really good job on that. And also, I would highly recommend going going over to or searching up, looking for. Is that the right word? Searching, looking for. It all makes the same yeah. sense. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> looking for uh, a podcast called Wampus Lair. They're Star Wars podcast, but they did one podcast about Man of Steel and Dark Knight yeah. Rises, which is really, really good, and I would highly, highly recommend listening to that one. Same here. Um, so, yeah. So, without further ado, Tim, let's do our minute. Our, uh, wait, wait. First, we got to name this segment. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to include Bad Fantasy Without Pansy. <laughs> okay, okay, here it is. Here, here it is. The Bad Fantasy Without Pansy podcast does a minute of Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> There's a minute commentary on, I don't know, see, you know what, screw it. Let's just call it our Dark Knight Minute or something. Sounds good to me. Or the Dark Knight Rises Minute. Or a minute yeah, with the Dark, Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, the Bad Fans Without the Bad Fans with. <laughs> I can't even say it anymore. Bad Fansy Without Pansy uh, commentary for Dark Knight Rises minute by minute. There we go. There you go. That's a good one. All right, uh, so you got it queued up, Tim? It's ready to go. All right, so uh, why don't you calm us down, Tim? All right. Three, two, one, go. Ooh, look at that logo. The classic Warner Brothers logo coming up. <laughs> that's a nice that's a nice logo. I can't complain about it. It's gray too, it's a dark gray color, which fits the Batman logo coming up. But yet yeah, there's another logo. <laughs> <laughs> what is this one? That's the uh legendary legendary uh who aren't going to be with Warner Brothers anymore. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. But Is wait. The logo? There's one more logo. <laughs> <laughs> I was never a fan of this logo. It was the first time know. in the movie that showed the new DC logo, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was. Uh, I'm not a fan overall of it. It's growing on me, actually. Really? Yeah. Copy uh, logo. Okay. And here it is. There we go. Ice breaking into the bat logo. And okay. that's our minute. <laughs> that's right. I knew Harvey Dan. That's all we got. <laughs> and it's yeah. actually a pretty perfect spot to end our first one on. It ends yeah. with the Batman logo, and right before Commissioner Gordon is about to say he believed in Harvey Dan. Yeah, you can kind of see the logo forming, but... <laughs> But it's not quite there. I have to admit, though, the first time I saw Dark Knight Rises at the midnight premiere, I I couldn't find the the uh, Batman logo. Really? Well, yeah, did I you go to the uh, the prologue screenings? No, I didn't. Oh, okay. Because yeah. they showed that there too. I, mean, I can see maybe that oh. the second time, but yeah, I couldn't find it until I saw it. Uh, well, that morning, or yeah, that morning. What is your favorite logo for the intro of the movies? So Batman Begins with the bats, the fire with the Dark Knight, or Dark Knight Rises with the ice? Probably the bats. Yeah, <laughs> I, it kind of didn't get the uh, the whole fire thing. I mean, it's kind of weird. Yeah, but but I mean, the ice, you know, is really cool too. Yeah, but like you said, it's hard to be cooler than a bunch of bats forming into the Batman logo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got a point there. 
Um, but yeah, that's our minute. <laughs> Tune in next time for the, for minute two of our commentary. We hate to leave you in suspense, uh, but... <laughs> but, uh, Tim, why don't you talk about our future topics? So, the past two weeks, it seems like we get nothing but Man of Steel 2 or Batman vs. Superman, whatever the sequel's going to be called, rumors. I mean, it's like every other day we're getting rumors about this movie. Enough so where I think it'd make for a good discussion to have for the future topic, where we got casting rumors, stuff on the suit, some characters that are going to be in it, so, like, tons of stuff. And just to see, give our thoughts on it, and to see if we think any of these rumors, if they're true, would be good for the movie. So I figured to start, we'd go with the first one that happened about two weeks ago, I would say, where there's that rumor that Wonder Woman might be in the movie. I mean, it's been speculated that she's going to be Bruce Wayne's love interest, and that she's going to be Wonder Woman, but she won't be called Wonder Woman in the movie, maybe Diana, maybe something else, but it will get revealed at the end where she's been, she's going to be Wonder Woman in maybe future movies, Justice League, so right off yeah. the bat, Dane, what do you think about if this is true having Wonder Woman in the movie? I think it's a good idea. Um, I'm not sure how it's going to work. I, mean, I, I don't I don't see how they're going to make it work, especially if you have a movie where supposedly, and I'm doing air quotes, Tim, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Batman and Superman are going to duke it out. I mean, how do you go from that to, oh, hey, here's this person? You know, it it kind of feels, I mean, it's a bad, bad comparison, but it's kind of like if one of the Marvel movies, let's say the, the Thor movie, uh, the first Thor movie came out, and at the end, they had uh, Scarlett Johansson's character at the end being like, hey, guys, or something, you know? Well, I was going to say they kind of did that in Iron Man 2, but everyone going in that movie already knew she was going to be Black Widow. But in the movie, they kind of had her identity a secret, but everyone knew going in, so it's not quite the same. Mm-hmm. But I think it's, if they do it right, the way it's rumored to be, where it's just going to be, like, in the press release, whenever uh, this character does get cast, there's probably going to be like a Talia thing where they're going to give her a fake name. Maybe it won't even be Diana, but then at the end of the movie or in some way it'll reveal that you know, it actually is going to be Wonder Woman. I think that could be a good way to do it, just to introduce her. But yeah. I wouldn't actually have her be Wonder Woman in the movie, like in the final act, Batman and yeah, Superman yeah. team up, but then Wonder Woman joins them at the final act. I pretty much just want this to be a Batman-Superman movie but have, like, plant those seeds of the characters in it. Or what if they they do a thing where it's more like, uh, you know, Bam and Superman are done fighting, and they become friends, and then they hear on a news report or something that there's a disturbance somewhere. Mm-hmm. And maybe you get, like, a uh, unclear picture of Wonder Woman. Yeah, I don't know. See, they can go different ways about that. Like, if they wanted yeah. to, they could just have her in an end credit sequence, like they did with Nick Fury with Iron Man, where yeah. like the character's not even in the movie, but yeah, she comes in at the end credit scene. But I prefer it to have it where she actually is Bruce's love interest if she has that secret. Just to, I guess, have give her character uh, a little more growth than just dumping her in like an extra credit sequence, but have her have us get to know her through the movie right then. And yeah, there. but I kind of feel like they did that with Talia already. You know, yeah, but this is different because I like, think they're trying to branch off the new franchise here. I mean, I'm hoping that yeah, yeah. Wonder Woman gets her own movie and that she's just not going to be used in Justice League. That's my hope, but Warner Brothers seems so scared about that. I don't think where they have this idea that, oh, a female lead can't carry her own movie and that people won't go see it. What proof do they have that 
that happens. I know they're looking at like past stuff. Where movies that aren't even good. I mean, like Electra, for example. Their Supergirl. own Catwoman with Halle Berry. <laughs> that's I think that's stuff they're looking at. <laughs> oh, I see. I get it. But I mean, I want to say that those were bad movies. Yeah, exactly. You know, badly written and badly directed and acted and you know whatever. And you know maybe DC should look at something else. But, but, I mean, maybe Marvel needs to be the first person again to do it. I know. To have, like, a, a Scarlett Johansson movie where she's the lead. Yeah, and the, there aren't really, like, too many big female, main female superheroes from Marvel. I mean, there's characters who are, like, there's several X-Men characters that are real popular, like Storm, Jean Grey, and you got Black Cat with Spider-Man, and you got, like, Miss Marvel from the Avengers, who I think out of all of them might be the only one who can sustain her own movie. But yeah. Wonder Woman, of course, outshines them all. I mean, she's the most iconic female superhero there is. I mean, if there's any superhero who's going to sustain her own movie, it's going to be Wonder Woman. And DC should yeah. be scared of that. I'm kind of hoping they're looking at uh, the Hunger Games recently, because look what that did. The main character oh, that's right, you know, right. Yeah, you're right. Tons of money. That's, yeah, yeah, that's, but that's not Warner Brothers, right? Hunger Games? I don't think, I don't think so. Okay. Yeah, but I think, you know, they're trying to avoid another Green Lantern, you know? Yeah, I mean, at all costs. At all costs. As much as I don't hate Green Lantern, I actually like it, but I just hate the fact that that's scared Warner Brothers so much. That one movie screwed them so much that they're not doing anything with also their other characters. <laughs> well, I mean, what's new? We've been talking about this for, I know. you know, <laughs> since Batman Begins came out. <laughs> Even before Green Lantern came out, we were talking about this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, DC's afraid to pull the trigger. They're afraid to do this. They're afraid to do that. And they don't do it. That's that's the weird thing about it, too. It's like, it's not, it's like they're not even listening. It's like they, they don't even care. That yeah. They're going to do what they're going to do. And, you know, they're going to put their money behind Batman and Superman. Which, and which is mainly a Warner Brothers thing, I think, and not DC. Because that's the yeah. big difference with Marvel Studios and Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers doesn't just do superhero movies. They do a bunch of movies. Marvel Studios is, is all about the superhero movies. So it's like Warner Brothers doesn't have the same urgency or need to get these superhero movies out as much as Marvel does. So that's probably another reason right there where they're not so quick to get these movies out, even though they're sitting on a gold mine. I think of great characters who can make for some really cool movies. Yeah, but it kind of takes just one rotten egg and you know we already got with Green Lantern <laughs> <laughs> yeah the proof is right there but um, what do you think of the actresses that are up for it I mean there's three main ones who are kind of rumored right now for be up to be up for the part is there any yeah. one of them you think looks to be the best probably um, I'm blanking on her name the girl from Thor okay Jamie Alexander yeah Jamie Alexander yeah. probably her she's got the look I don't know if she's got the body or the, or the, the build because she looks kind of skinny. Yeah, but if you watch the Man of Steel uh, special features on the Blu-ray and the training they went through, I think they can get her yeah. to have the one oh, yeah. easy. <laughs> <laughs> or you know what, what would be really funny is if Amy Adams is Wonder Woman. Oh, man. She's, she's not Lois Lane. She, 
Amy, I mean, she's uh, Wonder Woman. Can you imagine the fanboy outcry that would have? You know, Lane and Wonder Woman, the same character. <laughs> no, no, she she went under the name Lois Lane, so uh, to to hide her secret identity as Wonder Woman. Yeah, well. <laughs> she, she went under as um, Lois Lane to be. She was sent to find Clark. The the Amazons knew that he was all, an alien was there, and they sent her out yeah. to investigate. So that's how she got found. <laughs> or or what they could do is they could make that um she's in the movie really really briefly but Lana uh-huh. <laughs> they could make her she she's not really Lana Lang she's really Wonder Woman where she got so freaked out about being saved on the school bus she like wandered off and got somehow went to the Mascara Island <laughs> she got trained as an Amazon <laughs> here we go again making up these crazy rumor stories. <laughs> I'm kind of disappointed that that Lana wasn't really that much of a influence to Clark's life. Well, that we've seen anyway. I mean, there's a lot of yeah. things we haven't seen in Clark's uh, childhood and teenage years that they didn't show Man of Steel. So we can just assume in our heads that she was. Yeah, it's one of my nitpicks of Man of Steel, but man, I love that movie. I, <laughs> man, it's I such a 180 it. from our review podcast. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Because I waited for the digital download. I downloaded it. And, uh, you know, just just watching it is just like, you know, it's actually a really good movie. I mean, I I think I was too harsh on it. And I think a lot of people were too harsh on it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, sure, it's a flawed movie. But you're talking about, you know, an American icon that has 75 years worth of history behind them. Like, h- how can you do that in a two-hour movie? Even a two-hour and 45-minute movie, how can you do that? Yeah, plus, like you said, he's 75 years old, there's bound to be some changes that need to be made, frankly, to... I hate using the word up-to-date, because Superman's a timeless character for me, but certain things that I know people have complained about, about, oh, Superman's irrelevant nowadays, and he's, like, he's all too powerful, there's nothing that we can relate to about it. I think that movie, Man of Steel uh, did its job as far as making him relatable and kind of bringing him up to the date, I guess, with modern audiences, and still mm-hmm. keeping the classic stuff that we all know and love about the character. Yeah, but if if you think about it, Man of Steel is kind of like Superman Returns, about the the last act of Superman Returns, because they do the crystal, I mean, the the Kryptonite Island, and in Man of Steel, uh, Superman gets kind of weak when he goes to that big. Uh, whatever that thing is, that thing that pounds the ground. Yeah. The, the geoforming, yeah. Yeah, but here's the thing. Uh, that sequence on the island for Superman Returns, that was the big final climactic action sequence for the movie. That wasn't for Man yes. of Steel. I mean, the best was yet to come after that small sequence. <laughs> That's where it outdoes Superman Returns as far as that goes. <laughs> and he didn't have to take to a hospital afterwards. <laughs> Yeah, to do the whole needle thing, yeah. bouncing mean, off his skin. I mean, Lois knows about his how he got his powers in Superman Returned. Do you think she would have went to the hospital right away and just said, no, just put him in some sunlight? <laughs> That's how he's going to get better. She had to take care of her family, then. <laughs> and Cyclops, too. Yeah. That's another thing I don't like about Superman Returns. Uh, <laughs> it made Cyclops such a joke in the third X-Men movie by killing him off where... Uh, such an injustice to the character, who is one of the main characters of X-Men. He just got brushed to the wayside. <laughs> this is our ranting on movies we don't like. Uh, <laughs> Titanic, Superman Returns. What other movies don't you like, Tim? <laughs> and that's the thing. There are very few movies I don't like. 
I'm pretty easy to please when it comes to movies. But anyway. Um, <laughs> but like you were saying, I agree with you that Jamie Alexander is the best one out of these three actresses. I mean, she definitely looks the part, like you said. And then when you see her in Thor, she, I mean, even some of her outfits that she wore in this new one, it kind of looks like Amazon style, where you, you can just definitely see her in that role. But I think the latest reporter is that there's an actress named Gal Gadot, I think, where it's like she's the front runner right now to play Wonder Woman. Looking at a picture of her, she does have the face, I would say. She has a, the look of her, but she, she looks way too skinny, <laughs> like even more so than Jamie <laughs> Alexander, where she'd really have to get bulked up to be an Amazon. <laughs> but, you know, I'll... I was thinking any woman that's brunette can pretty much play Wonder Woman in her 20s. Or, actually, she has to be in her 20s or 30s. Mm. Or even if you take, like, a blonde actress or a redheaded actress or whatever other color there is, and you give her, I mean, dye her hair black, she can play Wonder Woman. Yeah, they did. Cause you know, remember the outcry they got when Amy Adams was cast in Lois Lane and she wasn't going to oh, dye yeah. her hair? You're like, oh, no, Lois' character is ruined now. Her hair isn't black. Yeah, when that came out, I, I remember being like, who cares what yeah. color her hair is? Like, I'm not looking at her hair. I'm looking at Superman. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure this one out there who really liked Man of Steel, but it just irks him that Lois had the light brown hair <laughs> or red, red hair. It was the same thing with um, Lawrence Fishburne, right? I'm sure there was some of that, but I don't think that got yeah. too big of a backlash. The hair color was no. more important to people. <laughs> it's neat. Exactly, I know. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> but you think having the rumor of Wonder Woman being in the Batman Superman movie would be enough? But no, there's another character who might be in it. <laughs> and this is the rumor going on now is that Dick Grayson is going to be in it as Nightwing. Now, this one I'm not as excited about as... Wonder Woman being in the movie, just because I think it's going to be getting too crowded if all this stuff ends up being true, and that Nightwing is going to be in it. And just how is he going to fit into this whole storyline, whatever David Gore is writing with Batman, Superman, and possibly Wonder Woman. And the rumor is that it's going to be him and Dick, Bruce and Dick haven't spoke together in years. But I like that story aspect, but... Maybe let's save it for the eventual spin-off Ben Affleck Batman movie where we can really dive deep into that. Because for me, this is still supposed to be a Man of Steel sequel, and Superman's probably going to get pushed further into the background of all these characters that are coming in. Yeah, I, I kind of feel sorry for Superman. For yeah. him, and, like Henry Cavill, too. Because like everybody's focused on Batman right now. Everybody's like... Oh, you know, Batman's gonna have uh, a sidekick, but they, but they haven't spoken in like ten years, and uh, you know, Bruce is gonna be blah blah blah, and he's gonna drive this kind of Batmobile. And <laughs> it's like, what about Henry Cavill? What about Superman? I mean, uh, don't worry, we'll give something for him to do. <laughs> yeah. So he's just gonna be in the background, you know? <laughs> <laughs> He'll be there for a fight sequence or two. But as for me, like the um, the whole Dick Grayson thing being in the movie. You know, I'm not sure that that's gonna gonna happen. I mean, I, I can't see that happening because I mean, if, if you add that third character, it's the same thing with Wonder Woman. If you add that third character, and, and, and that's why I'm hoping 
you know, she'll be at the end of the movie, not like in the middle of the movie yeah. or hints of her in the movie. It, it takes away from the whole Batman Superman concept. Exactly. I mean, maybe the whole Dick Grayson thing will be, you know, a passing comment or something. It's like, oh, have you talked to Dick lately or something like that? Yeah. yeah. To me, that's all you have to do, really. Just mention him if you want. Yeah. And boom, right there, you've expanded your, your entire universe. Exactly. You know, and you get the audience ready to meet Dick Grayson in the eventual Batman spinoff movie that he's going to have for himself. Yeah. So, 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 yeah, I'm not really sure about... I mean, I know everybody's saying that they have the inside scoop on who's going to play Dick Grayson, and, you know, Dick Grayson's going to be in the movie and stuff like that, but... I'm going to say right now, nothing against these actors that are rumored to be it, but I don't think any of them <laughs> look good for the part. I don't. They just don't look like Dick Grayson. They don't look like... They're in the shape to be Dick Grayson, <laughs> but yeah, I hate to be one of those guys who nitpicks an actor because of how they look, but I just don't see any of these guys as Dick Grayson. Yeah, yeah, but then again, you know, Christian Bale didn't look like Bruce from the comics, you know. Yeah, see, so, you and me had this argument before a while ago. I think he does. I think he's like the perfect Bruce Wayne. Really? Yeah. <laughs> he's, I don't know. Well, I, let's not argue that point. <laughs> yeah. I just remember the first time I saw he was cast, I was like, oh man, they finally got an actor who looks like Bruce Wayne and looks like it could be Batman. So, well, maybe because I was just used to you know, Michael Keaton, Val Kilmer, and George Clooney look absolutely nothing like him. <laughs> Especially Val Kilmer. I mean, I, I don't see any Bruce in him. I think more Clooney, really. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least Clooney has black hair. <laughs> it's like half gray, though, in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he great at like 20, 25 or something. Yeah. <laughs> I should say um, that, that we got Terrence and Rob with us. Okay. Um, how should I do it? Oh, I thought that was you doing it. I was like, wow, that wasn't very oh, enthusiastic. No. Yeah. <laughs> 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 late to the show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, do it like that. Well, look who's looking. Late. <laughs> you know what? Screw it. Uh, Terrence Rob over here. Hey, hey guys. Sorry about the hey. whole mix-up thing with uh, the daylight savings. Uh, Who are you gonna play more? Savings. Me for not putting it in the email about the time saving, or just blame Dane since he lives in Hawaii and he doesn't have daylight savings time. <laughs> We'll we'll split it fifty fifty. Uh, I'll I'll put the blame towards Tim. Terrence, you could put the blame towards Dane. How about that? That sounds good. Yes. <laughs> yes. How dare you, Dane, live in Hawaii? <laughs> I know, right? Uh, no, yeah, I have no choice. Yeah, yeah it's it's totally my fault. <laughs> like Hawaii is the Pluto of the United States. You're just far enough on the outside to you're kind of a state, but you're kind of not. <laughs> Pretty soon it's going to be like Pluto and not even considered a state anymore. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry, Dane. We'll still love you, even though it won't be a real state. <laughs> yeah. I, I well, I love you guys. So, <laughs> screw you guys. Uh, well, I'll tell you, this podcast. Yeah, you're fired now. I tell you what, <laughs> a, a state or not, my wife is dying to go to Hawaii, so uh, we will definitely be there at some point. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I guess. I guess that's um, I guess that's everybody's dream. I guess, right? Uh, not mine. <laughs> oh, yeah. Everybody except for Tim. I mean, Tim will go to Anaheim for Celebration Seven, or sorry, Celebration Anaheim, right, Tim? Yes, that I'm going to. Rest assured. Oh, you are. 
<laughs> I mean, I'd have to be okay. pretty stupid and just dumb not to go to the Star Wars convention right a few months before the release of Episode Seven, when it's literally 15 minutes away, and there's tons of people traveling all over the world to go there. <laughs> Tim, are you going? And here, eh. yeah. <laughs> Uh, we'll see <laughs> if I, I have time. <laughs> I, already, I already got my tickets purchased. Actually, the minute they oh, went on sale, I'm not taking really? it. Yeah. <laughs> so what about Comic Con? How come you don't you don't go to San Diego Comic Con? I mean, it's like right down the street, right? No, not no, that's a few hours drive. No. Yeah, that's one thing I don't get. You know, uh, you guys can drive like three hours and go someplace, and I just have no concept of time. I think. You know, San Diego is like 10 minutes from Tim's house. <laughs> <laughs> even there, I mean, even if it was, I'm still not sure if I'd go every year. I'd, have to, I'd definitely go one year, but every year, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, ter- uh, not Terrence, Tim, why don't you uh, continue on with our future, our long future topic? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I already gave my complaints about um, Nightwing being in the movie and then the actors they have uh, so far rumored to be up for the role but let's get Terrence and Rob's thoughts on it so start with you Terrence since it's been so long since we heard your voice two podcasts now without you just wasn't the same <laughs> oh thanks yeah <laughs> so yeah you know I'm not thrilled by any of them but I am thrilled by the fact that they are talking about other members of the extended DC universe being in uh, the movie, uh, when I, when they first started talking about, uh, having Ben Affleck and being, you know, an older Batman, that was my first thought was, well, maybe there are some of the Robins out there. So, um, and I've learned my lesson with Heath Ledger that, you know, casting, you know, wait till you see it on the screen because these directors and these casting directors and these people know a heck of a lot more about acting and actors than I do. Um, so I'm, Kind of, I'm just, you know, I, I don't know if I, I pick any of these guys or I don't even know a lot of them, but uh, I'm just happy that there's talk of Dick Grayson uh, being in film and it's not, you know, um, what's his face from <laughs> Batman Forever, Chris O'Donnell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and I think Dick Grayson is such a great character that he deserves a really good cinematic uh, portrayal in, in film. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of the same way. I was torn. The, the first picture I... I there have been different names bounced around, but the guy that looks like he has the five o'clock shadow, big ears, long hair. Uh, <laughs> I thought, this guy looks like a doofus, you know. This guy doesn't look like he could pick up Barbara Gordon and take her out on a date. Uh, but, like you said, Terrence, it's like somebody's probably looking at this particular actor and says, I think I can, I can see this. And, you know, they could do all different types of stuff. Um, but I'm like you, just hearing little nods of other characters of like with an older Bruce Wayne. And so that means, wow, it is, could that mean Tim Drake is there also, or does that mean Jason Todd's kind of there? So, um, the movie keeps getting deeper and deeper as far as names that are being, uh, tossed around. But at the same time, it's like getting, getting a whole bunch of Christmas presents and you're going to play with all of them at one time. It's like, just take your time and maybe add one thing. I think just adding Batman alone into this movie is great. Maybe making name, like name dropping throughout there and kind of spreading the seeds. But I don't want to 
I really don't want to see Wonder Woman and then see Nightwing and then see Arrow and then see The Flash. It's like it, it will people are already kind of worried that Batman's going to overshadow Superman's own sequel. You start adding too many other cooks in the kitchen, Superman's going to get lost in the shuffle. So yeah. I, 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 think, I think it's all good, but I'd rather them take baby steps, just kind of like the Avengers did, give you just a little bit with each movie, then finally you get the big payoff and all the boys and girls in the band are, are finally playing. So um, just kind of wait and see, you know. Yeah, we were talking about it before you guys jumped on, where, like, like poor Superman, this is supposed to be still his sequel, but <laughs> you're hearing all these different names, and he's, like, going to be pushed in the background and seen sometimes. But I'm sure that's not going to be the case, but it just feels that way right now, where every character is being talked about except Superman <laughs> in this movie. <laughs> but since it's still on the subject of Dick Grayson, there's that rumor, too, that he might possibly be a character on Arrow, and there's a whole other, like, actor who's up for that role. I think his name is Steve McQueen, I think, is the name. Yeah. And now that guy, actually, the pictures he's tweeted, I mean, he's tweeted pictures of him, like, working out in his Nightwing shirt and, like, kind of leaving hints about that. But out of all the actors who have been rumored so far, he's the one I think he could actually maybe pull it off. But yeah. then if that is true, that leads into the whole thing. Oh, is this going to be the same Nightwing who will be in the Batman-Superman movie? Is Arrow going to be in the same continuity? So all these rumors and stories that are coming out, this makes you think and wonder, like, is this going to be finally a shared universe? Which part of me wants that to be true, where Arrow is connected to the Man of Steel universe and everything's going to be connected with these TV shows and movies. So right now, I, with all these Nightwing rumors, I'm hoping the one where he's on he's on Arrow first, that's the one that's true, and maybe he'll just get name-dropped in Man of Steel, the sequel to Man of Steel. Yeah. So we'll did, see. did you guys... Uh, some of this news is uh, coming out almost seems uh, sporadically. Yeah. I just, I just read something today... That said, I can't remember who was. I was trying to find it here while uh, was getting online, but uh, that Batman is semi-retired and is using drones to do his crime fighting for him from the Batcave. Yeah, I've read, I just read that one too not okay. so long ago. <laughs> and the people with the drones thing, I'm not sure. So then, when that came out, a lot of people were saying, "Oh, was that the drone Superman destroyed at the end of Man of Steel?" There's a lot like Bruce's things. Maybe he's doing stuff with the military to get those drones out, and he's spying on them. So that's bringing that idea up. But I don't know the whole retiring thing. They said semi-retired, so I don't know what yeah. that means. But I hope it's not fully retired. Where it's, again, we're getting the Dark Knight Rises thing all over again. Oh, if that's it opens up, he's got like a beard and is in a, his robe. That would be because <laughs> if that's the case, they just should have tried even harder to get Christian Bale back to have that in the same continuity. What I think what we should do is start making a tally of all of the rumors that we're hearing, and then when the movie comes out, we will say, okay, here's everything that they were talking about that said was going to happen, and here are the things that actually did, and the things that were so far uh, off the uh, beaten path. I always tell myself I'm going to do that with some movie sometime, with every little thing that I hear. I'm just going to jot it down. I think it'd be funny to actually go back through and pull up, you know, all the, I got it from a reliable source type thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm planning to do that with episode seven, too. <laughs> yeah. Somebody was doing that at Kickstarter. I don't know if he ever got funded for uh, the Superman movie, um, the, the Kevin Smith one that was, he oh, wrote yeah. the script for and all that. There. Yeah. Somebody was trying to make a, like a fan-made movie of all the rumors and all the, the saga of, 
all that. So that would be, yeah, that would be cool for Batman rumors. Yeah. No, I'm sure they can get Nicolas Cage to actually star in that movie. If they want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's where all the money's going to go. <laughs> yeah. And me and Dana already touched on this uh, earlier, but just get your guys' uh, take on it real quick. Um, what's your thoughts about Wonder Woman possibly being in it as Bruce's love interest and then maybe getting revealed as Wonder Woman? Personally, I thought it was great uh, because, uh, you know, I, 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 my hope is that this is not just a one-shot Batman-Superman cash grab, that it's the springboard to an entire cinematic DC universe. So having Wonder Woman in there and intriguing the people who are not, you know, fans like us that are going to go going to go see everything and sort of like creating demand for a uh wonder woman movie um i think it's awesome although you do run the risk of like uh rob was saying if you put too much in it you spread everybody thin and then um it kind of uh you know it might weaken it but my my first reaction was positive. Yeah, I, I mine was too. Uh, a guy I work with, uh, he was saying, you know, look at it. You can also look at it in its most simplest form and say the first movie is called Superman. The second movie is called Superman Batman. The third movie is called Superman Batman Wonder Woman. And then the fourth movie is called Justice League. That that each movie is introducing its own series of characters that. Yeah, the first movie may have been called Man of Steel, and the second movie's technically a Man of Steel uh, sequel, but it's actually building up to a larger Justice League that you're introducing the characters in order of, like, creation or whatever. So I thought that was a little different take. But um, if, if things are done uh, small, like it's Wonder Woman's the red herring, it's the, you know, brunette that Bruce Wayne's trying to see, and... At the end, you know, somebody calls her, you know, Diana. Everybody's like, oh, my gosh, you know, it's, it, Wonder Woman was in the movie. Even though we don't technically actually see her in her Wonder Woman costume, I, I'd be perfectly fine with that. I think just having, seeing Batman in a, a new costume and, you know, whatever it is, I think will just be good enough to see Superman and Batman on the screen at the same time. And I, I really hope that we don't see any more of that if... You know, Arrow were to make an appearance and Bruce Wayne is having a meeting with Oliver Queen. I think that'd be cool to have a nice little nod to the Arrow TV show that it's literally 30 seconds of screen time, but enough to to tip to the hat and do something similar with Wonder Woman. So, you know, for the third movie that we will actually see Wonder Woman, I think that'd be cool. But I just I hope they they pace themselves and they're not trying to sprint to the finish line and they run out of juice before you get to the third movie. Hey, I'm going to disagree with you just to spice okay. it up here. Um, I actually, since when Arrow first came out, I kind of panned it. I did not really like the first couple episodes, but I stuck with it. And I've really become a big fan of the show. I, I really like it now. Uh, and um, I actually hope that Arrow is kept out of the continuity and it has is its own separate universe um so that way they have the freedom to do what they want because i would hate for that show to get handcuffed and not be able to do things and not be able to use characters and because oh well there might be a movie in three years so we can't you know explore you know richard grayson or we can't you know do this i'm hoping that the show is actually kept on its own even though i think it might be cool for the show and might promote the show and if people saw that in the movie you might get more viewers um so I'm kind of torn a little bit, but I, I, I would hate that um, 
You know, that's one of the things Smallville, I always felt Smallville was handcuffed a little bit. Like, he should have became yeah, Superman so. in season five or something. And then yeah. it was almost like they were putting down the idea of Superman. And he was like, oh, I'll never do that in, in interviews. Oh, I'd never wear the outfit and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, becoming a fan, and I like how they've done stuff with the Huntress. And uh, now that they've got the, you know, Ra Ghoul angle coming in and stuff. So, um, yeah, I kind of kind of hope it... it at least, even if, if it's put in there, at least has the freedom to do what they want and is not handcuffed by the movie. Yeah, I'm I'm a huge Arrow fan. I, I I will agree disagree on both ends. I I would like to have my cake and eat it too. I hope that the, the Arrow show could do exactly what it, it wants to do. And if it's in a shared universe, like you said, hopefully it doesn't get shackled. But if it is going to get shackled, then I will agree. Then the Arrow show needs to be its own thing, and then we just have a, a different Green Arrow. Yeah, that's, I totally agree with you guys on that point, but the stupid thing is, is that it doesn't need to be. I mean, they're all owned by the same group, Warner Brothers. They could have a shared universe without being handcuffed, like you guys were mentioning. I mean, there's no reason right. for it to have that, but yet there has been past examples, like you said, where they have done that with Smallville and such, so it makes no sense that they would do that because there's no reason for it. So I just really hope like you said, Rob, we get the best of both worlds. It's tied in to the greater DC live-action universe, but at the same time, they're not restricted to anything. That's the ultimate win-win. <laughs> yeah. But um, the next big thing that happened, it was, it was last weekend where they had the that Man of Steel like, live event with Kevin Smith, Zack Snyder, Amy, Adam, and AD, uh, Amy Adams, and Henry Cavill. And first of all, that event, it was cool for just getting here Zack Snyder, Henry Cavill, and Amy Adams talk about Man of Steel. But as far as some surprises for the Batman Superman movie, that was pretty much a letdown. Or <laughs> they just showed those, uh, that artwork that wasn't even concept art, but just stuff some of the artists did for some charity, for some charity stuff. So no reveals there. But like a few days later, Kevin Smith revealed that Zack Snyder showed him a picture of Ben Affleck in the Batman costume and how he kind of freaked out about it and how it was nothing we've seen before in the Batman movie costumes. I have to imagine, Rob, this is probably something that's going to get you excited, whereas that it's not the full uh-huh. black. It's And here's the interesting yeah. part. I haven't listened to the podcast, but they said something gets bleeped out where he says um, what it's like or what it's resembling. But yes. then it kind of got revealed that someone who was there said it resembles Jim's Lee stuff. So when I heard so, that. I got excited, too. <laughs> now I just really want to see what this thing looks like. So it could be one or two things. I mean, Jim Lee could have done, you know, a, a design specifically for Man of Steel. But this makes me go one of two ways. It's either Hush or it's New 52 mm-hmm. Batman. In uh, Some people were saying it could be like the Batman uh, Noel type suit. Um, but just hearing Kevin Smith say, you know, it's not, you know, black on black military. And I think he said something like only somebody like Zack Snyder could pull this off. It's like anybody that thinks, oh, this is going to be stupid. He's like, when you see this, you're going to go, uh, okay, take my money. So yeah, I, I was wanting to do cartwheels. That's, that's always one of those. If somebody says, Hey Tim, I got a secret to tell you. Yeah, I better not. And then they turn to walk away. You're like, well, what? Well, what? It's like, oh, I probably shouldn't say anything. And you just keep asking and asking. I almost wish Kevin would have kept it to himself because it could be another three months before we see what he saw. But, 
that that does make me excited. Although people are posting, you know, pictures of people that are cosplaying. Go, here's a picture of Ben Affleck, and somebody's like, no, <laughs> this is somebody cosplaying. But yeah, did he see an actual? Uh, I, I missed the thing. Did he see an actual uh, suit, or did he just see artwork of the suit? Uh, he took out his uh, Snyder took out his phone and said, "Here, I want to show you something." And showed a picture of Ben Affleck actually in the suit. Oh, oh, wow, cool. I wonder how much security was like around. If there was anyone, <laughs> like, like, make sure no one Kevin doesn't have someone else by him is going to take yeah, a photo yeah. of him somehow or whatever. But and uh, who was somebody it? to hack his phone? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who was like Ralph Garman was like draw it, draw, draw what you saw. <laughs> yeah. But uh, the pictures of the artwork that they showed the Batman in that artwork is in blue and gray. And the Superman Superman in that artwork kind of looks like the Man of Steel. He doesn't have the trunks on. You can kind of see some uh, of the paneling lines or the, you know, the silver lines in the suit. So that kind of makes me wonder if the Superman is drawn like the Man of Steel, is that like our hint of like, hey, we have a blue-gray, super, or blue-gray Batman in this movie? So... I kind of go back and forth on what I'd rather see because, like you, Rob, I do want to see either the gray, the gray armor suit with the black or blue cowl and cape and gloves and all that. But I don't know what I'd rather see more: the black or the blue? Because <laughs> the I mean, blue it, has it, that classic feel, but the black just looks cooler. So, like, I, I mean, know. it could be not the baby blue from like the Super Friends, but even like a dark navy blue that you know maybe in the right light it would reflect blue. Yeah, but like animated series. Yeah, that it it. it for all intents and purposes, it would be black and gray, but somebody could go say, no, it's actually navy blue. It's a, it's a dark blue. I think that would kind of appease everybody. You're kind of getting the best of everything. So I'm just looking up here. The costume designer uh, is Michael Wilkinson. He was the costume designer of Man of Steel and of Watchmen. So, uh, and I, I thought the costumes in Watchmen were pretty cool uh, and pretty kind of varied, too. So I wonder, I wonder if it'll be Watchmen-esque or... Because even the Man of Steel, is, it, it looks like he, he could uh, fit in that Watchmen kind of world that they created. So um, hmm, I wonder how, wonder how much it will be like that. Yeah, but needless to say, once I heard that, was, part of me was just real happy to hear that. Oh, it's not going to be the black armor again. It's going to be something different. And just yeah. right away, I just go, oh, please be the comic book style. Please be the comic book style. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I think that that already sets it away from Nolan and Keaton and Clooney and Kilmer that it's that we're getting out of the black motif and it's this is clearly a different Batman, a different universe. That that's all I want. There's don't you know, have it kinda of like, well, it it could be the same, you know, typical Batman. So that that just made me happy that whatever the suit is, if he's wearing a tin can, it'll it'll be different. <laughs> so what if we see it? And I have to ask you Ask you guys this: What if we see it and it's the ugliest thing you've ever seen in your life? <laughs> oh man, it's it's really hard to make a Batman costume look horrible and ugly, but at the same time, we already saw that with the Batman and Robin costumes and forever, so <laughs> it is possible. But and, and even the Clooney costume, as nipply as that was, <laughs> uh, that was something else Kevin Smith said. This thing doesn't have nipples on it, but. uh it's like okay, but who cares? No one's yeah. got no nipples, <laughs> right? Uh, but 
it, it, at the end of the day, it was still Batman. Maybe not the best Batman, but I don't think it was horrible. Just the movie the suit was operating in was horrible. <laughs> well, that last ice suit he wore, that was yeah. horrible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the costumes in the serials from the 1940s, you know, can't get any worse than those. Those are, those are pretty bad. I actually prefer those than the Clooney one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even with Batman's ears at a 90-degree angle. It looks like a devil, yeah. yeah. <laughs> are you devil man or Batman? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Swear to me. Yeah. <laughs> He's got those huge granny panties on, too. <laughs> it's really bad, yeah. <laughs> so I think, Terrence, you made me cough. <laughs> I, I think that's what I Dane was... I was drinking when you said that. <laughs> I'll read between the lines of what Dane is saying, that Ben Affleck is wearing granny panties, that, <laughs> that his, belt, his belt is clear up to his neckline. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That would be something we've never seen before in a Batman costume. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I have to ask these questions just in case, you know. Well, just in case it's the ugliest thing you've ever seen. Just in case the, the movie is the, the crappiest movie you've ever seen in your entire life. And you know what? If somebody would have said, Bob, are you excited to go see Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull? What if it's bad? It's Indiana Jones. How bad can it be? And I walk out of the theater going, my God, that was bad. You see, yeah. I'm one of those people, or I was like how you thought. I still liked it as an Indiana Jones movie. Sure, there were stupid parts in it, like the muscles yeah. things. Yeah, that's stupid, but to me, it, uh, it still has some great Indiana Jones stuff, so I don't hate it as other people. <laughs> yeah. I think somebody should take all the worst features of all the Batman costumes and put them together. So you could take, like, the granny panties and the belt up to the, the nipples <laughs> in the, the cereal. The George Clooney ice with the symbol with the nipples. You could put, like, Adam West eyebrows on it. <laughs> A combination of the worst Batman costume ever. Oversized belt buckle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I really want to see that now. That's <laughs> why that hasn't been done yet. Well, I'll have to do a Google search for it. <laughs> but I think the last bit of more crazy rumors for this movie that's even more crazy was, um, this is from comicbookmovie.com, which, again, it is a site that posts any rumors, no matter how crazy or factual they actually are. Just anything about a movie, they'll post it. So this is one where it's, like, really take it with a grain of salt, because at least with the Wonder Woman and Nightwing stuff, you kind of hear it from a few different outlets that's confirming it. So it kind of gives it some credibility where it's not confirmed yet, but this one is one of those standard, oh, my sources say this without any <laughs> reveal of what that source is. But they're saying that it mainly describes what Lex Luthor is going to be in the movie, which isn't the big part, but it's saying that there's going to be another DC character who's possibly going to be in it, which is going to be Barry Allen, the Flash. And it's being reported that he won't be the Flash, but it'll just be Barry Allen. And here's the thing that kind of got me questioning it because we know Barry Allen's going to be an arrow in the next two episodes and this report is saying that Warner Brothers is waiting to see how the fan reaction is going to be to the actor playing Barry Allen on Arrow if it's positive they'll probably bring him into the Batman Superman movie but if it's negative they'll find someone else for it which I don't really buy because if the studio is really really wants to do this cohesive shared universe it doesn't matter what the fans think i mean they cast this guy to be flash on arrow so they must think he's good at least for that and if they want to bring in the movie and they want it to be connected they'll just use them they're not going to wait to see what the fans think 
I mean, if they did that, they never would have cast Ben Affleck because <laughs> they know how the fans would have reacted to that, which they did act crazy. So yeah. that's one thing that's making me question this story, if it's really credible. But at the same time, if it is, having Barry, Al- Barry Allen in it, this, it's making it seem too crowded with Wonder Woman and possibly Nightwing. I mean, these have to be real short cameos if they're all going to make this work. I'm, I'm kind of on the mind, like I mentioned earlier, just have name drops for these characters would be cool enough and maybe just have uh, Wonder Woman or Diana be in it and just name drop some other characters. But, yeah, uh, we'll see if this one's accurate, but what do you guys think of having Barry Allen in it, possibly? I think that this rumor is just one of those, let's throw it at the wall and see if it sticks. Mm. You know, let's just, you know, throw anything up there and see what people latch on to. I mean, just stop. Just stop with all this crap. I mean, ugh. It just disgusts me. I'm I'm kind of with you there, Dane. Actually, not kind of. I am. Uh, even just kind of going to Arkham Origins for a minute, it's like every week, hey, we got something new to tell you. We got something new to tell you. It's like, let me go in and let me be surprised. I, you don't have to tell me. You don't have to tell me that Wonder Woman's in it. You don't have to tell me that Barry Allen's in it. You know, Superman and Batman. That, that's all I need to know. I'd like to go into the theater and somebody says, "Hey, Mr. Allen, can you run this police report?" And I go, "Holy crap, that's yeah. Barry Allen!" You know, I, I want to have. I, I don't think there's anything secret secret anymore. It, it's somebody in the room says, "Hey, don't tell anybody," and then that person goes out and tells somebody. And it, get, it gets around. It's like if you don't want somebody to know. Then shut your pie hole. <laughs> you know, I, I think the day of, you know, I can only imagine if Empire Strikes Back was out right now and somebody says, it, it may be revealed that Darth Vader is Luke Skywalker's father. I, that would have ruined that whole moment in the movie. You know, th- those type of things like Han Solo may die. You know, I, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I'm just kind of disgusted by the. Everybody has to know everything, and then what people don't know, let, let's just make up stuff. Yeah, I think they're crazy if they're waiting for the fan reaction, because the fan reaction is always mixed. Yeah, there's always people <laughs> who love it, always people who hate it, and with the Internet, some, of the, some, some minorities can be very vocal, and it seems like a lot more people hate it or like it than just a few you know, really adamant uh, fans. But... Um, yeah, I, I kind of agree. I could I can only imagine what it would have been like with Empire Strikes Back every week, something different coming out. There might be some kind of family relationship between Luke. There may be more to this. So, um, yeah, just show us the movie. We're, I'll buy my ticket. <laughs> you yeah. already got my sale. So, yeah. I guess we should each uh, add our own character who's going to be in the movie now. <laughs> like, what DC character can we throw out there? Aquaman. Classic man, come on. Then then I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to change mine to Elongated Man. If we can't get Plastic Man, maybe we'll get Elongated Man. (laughs) I'm going to go with the most neglected DC character, Doll Man. Doll Man. (laughs) And Doll Woman, or Doll Girl, I think she was. (laughs) So since it's Batman Superman, I want Mr. Mixelplex with Batmite. And they summon every character ever created in DC Comics with their fifth dimension or eighth dimension. What dimension are they in? Fifth the dimension. Fifth, yeah. So, um, yeah. That would actually be pretty awesome if Batmite and Mr. Uh, Mixios Pitlick were in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> they could actually have their own movie. That would be awesome. <laughs> right, you pronounced that so much better than me. <laughs> now, actually, wasn't there a, a, a serious rumor that somebody was 
actually going to be Mr. Mitzel play? Yeah, a famous actor. Who was it? Huh. No, I'm trying. No, I'm trying to go back. <laughs> They'll never be better than Gilbert Godfrey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is gonna bug me now. Because <laughs> it, it was like a few months ago or so. It was a, it was like a joke. And the, I think the actor even said something about that. Yeah. You know, going back to um, Barry Allen, it's it's kind of like what's Barry Allen doing in Gotham or Metropolis? Yeah, good place? point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're already doing a storyline for him to be to go to Starling City for Arrow, so he's gonna be city hopping <laughs> if yeah. they're in the same continuity. And we didn't even talk to if, if they're coming out with a James Gordon show too. That makes you wonder what what his role will be in the movie. Yeah, if anything, I'm hoping that's somewhat definitely connected to it because there's no reason why that can't be connected to the same Batman universe and that Ben Affleck is going to be on because it's supposed to be take place before there's even a Batman and Gordon's earlier than the cop. Um. A character we haven't talked about, uh, Larry David. Yeah, that's who it was. There, there oh, it wow. I found it. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone is waiting to see who gets cast as Lex Luthor in Batman vs. Superman. But a new report from Radar Online suggests Superman villain could be in the movie. Larry David, Mr. Mitzelplick. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I could totally and, see that. <laughs> and it s- says that Ben Affleck is on board with this idea. Market as confirmed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this was published on uh, Batman-News.com on October 8th, 2013. So it's online, so it must be true. <laughs> I can continue on with the podcast now knowing who that actor was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I knew it was funny. Someone who you could actually see in that. Yeah. yeah I could definitely see him as... And, and the picture that they have uh, of Larry David is like, yeah, I, c- I could totally see him. <laughs> you get Jerry to be Batmite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm the only Batmite! <laughs> <laughs> There's the next crossover. You see in Seinfeld. <laughs> that would be awesome, yeah. Well, for now, I guess that's it for the crazy rumors and stories for the Batman Superman movie, but... I'm sure definitely by our next podcast there's going to be tons more <laughs> and more DC superheroes rumored to be in the movie. But for now, I think we'll put a pin in this discussion. <laughs> and, uh, a character we haven't talked about um, with Bruce Wayne and Ben Affleck being in the movie, uh, would we see Alfred? And if so, who would play Alfred? I'd like to say yes. He usually travels with him, especially when Metropolis probably isn't that far from Gotham, but... As far as to play him, I really don't know. I have a preference. I just hope he has a mustache because we need an Alfred on screen with a mustache. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, at one time, I thought I read something. Again, it's from the Internet, so it's probably true. But I thought they said Timothy Dalton might be Alfred. Hmm. Is, he, is he old enough for Alfred already? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I would think I would think he's been him in a long time. But. And he's had a mustache for quite a few years. Yeah. I think the last uh, movie I saw him in was The Rocketeer. Back in 91. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to see more of an Alfred, like, in Beware of the Bat, more of a action hero. Uh, you don't maybe, like that? I mean, I don't mind it, but okay. I still prefer that. I don't need to see Alfred in action. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I still like him behind the scenes. Yeah. He hasn't even done that in Beware of the Batman, really. <laughs> no, not, not, not too much. Remember all that worry I had? Without him yeah. using guns and being like yeah. that, like, that hasn't happened at all. Well, I do actually think, though, that they listened to the fans and the fan reaction 
and then there was the movie shooting. I think if if the fans hadn't reacted and there wasn't the the uh, movie shooting in Colorado, we may it may have been a little more Alfred shooting a lot, but who knows. <laughs> Now we just have to worry if Beware the Batman will air again. <laughs> yeah. I still have six unwatched episodes of that on my DVR. Um, I keep telling myself, oh, I had to watch something. I'm either playing Arkham Origins or I end up watching something else. So it it's good. It just hasn't grabbed me enough. But if it didn't come back, I'd be like, eh, oh, well, you know, I've still got six more to watch. And, you know, yeah. it's, I mean... Unfortunately, there's no rush for you to watch them since it's not going to be airing any new episodes anytime. Right. So, but I will say the last few episodes have been really good. So, you should watch. That's going to get canceled. It's it's going to get canceled. Oh yeah. No, I I agree. There's no doubt. Yeah. I think we said at one of the last podcasts if they were blaming Young Justice for not. you know, selling enough toys, and that's why the show got canceled. Well, guess what? Uh, Beware the Batman only has one action figure. Yeah, plus two. I mean, Comedy Central, I mean, not Comedy Central, um, Cartoon Network isn't even really promoting it that heavily, and I don't know, it, it just doesn't feel as big as I mean, even the Young Justice show. I mean, to, to me, the Young Justice show felt bigger than this Beware the Batman. Yeah, yeah. I agree. And that didn't even help it. Yeah. <laughs> At least it got two seasons. I don't think Beware the Batman is, and Green Lantern didn't get it, so... <laughs> it's yeah. like we have to set up a more Teen Titans Go on the DC Nation block. <laughs> yeah, and I just saw where uh, Teen Titans Go and Beware... Not Beware. Uh, Batman Brave and the Bold are coming to Blu-ray. Yeah, I want to get that Brave and the Bold Blu-ray. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm hoping if that comes out, then hopefully Batman the Animated Series isn't that far behind. Yeah. All right, so we have now our conversation with Alex. So here's Alex's email. He said, hey, guys, awesome episode. Um, I played Arkham Origins and really enjoyed it. I was much happier with Bane's portrayal up to the end, but I don't blame Warner Brothers because they were forced to write Bane to be the bloated-up mush-head version of Arkham City. The video game discussion was fantastic! Exclamation point. Uh, the only games I played before the Arkham games were Batman Forever and the Adventures of Batman and Robin for the Sega Genesis. Batman Vengeance for oh, the... Yeah, Terrence. Yeah. Terrence. Uh, I have to say, Batman Vengeance is one of my favorite games. Yeah. I don't know, I just love that game. Especially yeah, on Mr. Cool. Freeze fight. I could yeah. not beat Mr. Freeze. <laughs> it was so hard <laughs> to beat. It was, hey, was that one guy who makes you quit the game. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, just having Kevin Conroy play uh, Batman was awesome. Yeah. Um, let's see. Oh, hold on. I lost it. All right, it's back. Batman Vengeance for the GBA. What is GBA? Game Boy Advance? Yeah. Is that? Okay, and Xbox. Or as they say in Boston, Xbox. You're wicked awesome <laughs> at Xbox. Um, and the Rise of Sinzu for the GBA and PS2. Unless you count Justice League games, I think that's it. I actually really enjoyed the Nightwing annual, however, didn't care for the Zero Year tie-in. Being that Gail Simone didn't write this week's Batgirl, I got it and really enjoyed it. I'm now loving Zero Year. I don't mind this story going on for a while. Batman 25 is great. Snyder's run is finally back to being in my top most anticipated titles. And then he included an email that he had last week, but... um didn't make the show uh, for, um, I think we, we just didn't get it in in time. And he said, hey, Bat fans, great episode as always. I decided to check out the Scream movies after Rob saying he watched them to get in the Halloween spirit. 
I never saw them before because I was never into the slasher genre. However, I was pleasantly surprised and really liked them. The first one is great, and I was also I was so impressed with how intelligently written it was. I will be happy to watch it over again in the years to come. I see that, Rob. You've made a new screen fan out there. So I I love those movies. Okay. Um, I was also happy to hear the positive reviews on Batman 24. I haven't been enjoying Scott Snyder's run since Death of the Family, but things started to click with me after that issue. It made me realize that it was a very different Batman, and now I can enjoy it. I just wish DC would let the old continuity go so that I can accept the new directions. It confuses me when they kept referencing old events that made little sense, and I was getting upset with the current Batman characterization in the New 52 because of it. That's why I was enjoying Wonder Woman and The Flash the most out of the DC titles, because it felt like a new interpretation. Being that they kept referencing old continuity, Batman Inc. was the only title I was enjoying because... Uh-oh, I lost my email. Come on back. All right, um... All right, there it goes. Sorry. I, somebody at DC is sabotaging this. All right. <laughs> the Batman Inc. Web 2.0. Somewhere Grant Morrison's in like a hotel room in <laughs> Kathmandu. They're psychically interfering with my email. All right. Um, uh, I was enjoying that because the characters felt the same as pre-New 52. I love the revamped first appearance of Batman's costume. I want that figure. I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts on Arkham Origins which we already did, uh, and what would be your pitches for a live-action early Bruce Wayne TV series? How would you like them to continue the story for the next Arkham games? Um, so what do you guys, if you want to take that, either um, how do you want the Arkham games to go, or how, how would you pitch a young Bruce Wayne series? Well, for the Bruce Wayne series, I would love to see, I think this is even talked about before Batman begins, just seeing him training. Throughout going to different places throughout the world, have a few seasons in Japan or maybe somewhere else, getting trained by a Ducard like he was in the comics and kind of in Batman Begins, but <laughs> just seeing the different aspects of his training, I think would be a great series. Uh, I am on board with uh, Kevin Smith. <laughs> I knew that was going to come up somewhere. <laughs> uh, uh, hearing them talk about uh, Bruce Wayne's Jesus years, uh, <laughs> the age from when his parents have died and before he goes to train, that that middle time where, uh, if you haven't listened to episode of Fat Man on Batman with Paul Dini, the most recent one, I, uh, they made me want to watch that show yeah. that they were just talking about. Like that, That's the show. And their tagline is, no cape, no cowl, all justice. <laughs> so that's, that's what I would want to see. Of a, you know, he could be, you know, 16, 17 years old and just maybe doing some detective type working and maybe taking karate classes and that, that type of thing. And that could be kind of cool. And the uh, Arkham games, I would like to see uh, two games happen simultaneously. Uh, continue on from the events of Arkham City going forward and then the events of Arkham Origins going forward. Eventually, Arkham Origins would catch up to Arkham City or, you know, Arkham Asylum, but um, some reports are saying that we could be getting a Batman game every year, almost, one from Rocksteady and one from uh, Warner Brothers Montreal. They're going the Call of Duty route then. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. They do it. <laughs> so I, I'd be cool with that. Getting a, a new Batman game every year, I'd be broke. But <laughs> <laughs> until one actually stinks, yeah, it's all good. I'm up for it. Yeah, right. 
yeah, for me, for um, for the Arkham Asylum games, um, I kind of wanted to re- to forget what they did with Arkham Asylum, Arkham City, and Origins, and I want them to reinvent the the, the series and, and make it more open world. You know, kind of like the um, Grand Theft Auto games, where you can do anything you want, you can go wherever you want. And there's missions that you can do with each person. And instead of, you know, containing it to Arkham Asylum or Arkham City, make Gotham City, you know, a living, breathing place in a video game world. You know, instead of being sectioned off into one specific area, that's what I want to see for the the Arkham games. But I highly doubt that's going to happen. Origins was... Close to that, uh, there weren't any you know, living, breathing people on it, but uh, you could pretty much go wherever you wanted. But once you ran out of the story beats, then it's just kind of flying around the city and beating up people. Yeah, I like your idea though, Dane, where you said about the having the different characters because it would be awesome where for different missions you switch up as like Nightwing or Robin or Batgirl or just the different members of the Batman family. Because one of the things I'd like to see it just you already saw Arkham Origins, and if they're going to do a sequel to that, let's see the origin of uh, Dick Grayson, where Batman has to uh, solve that crime and take care of Tony Zuko, and then eventually you get to play as uh, Dick as Robin for a mission, like stuff like that. I think would be cool. Yeah, and if they if they made a story that was huge, uh, you know, big big story that you know could engage you, but you can put the story down and put it aside for a second and go go off and you know, do some random event that shows up every once in a while where you can you can save, you know, somebody or you can stop a bank robbery. Or, there's know, some whatever. of that in Origins yeah. where, like, there's called, uh, like, uh, like, these random crimes that happen or crimes in progress where a meter will come yep. on your map and you have to go there and you see, like, these crooks getting an ATM machine or beating up some cops. It, yeah. it starts off where it's pretty cool, but then it happens over and over again. It's kind of the same thing where it's just crooks beating up a cop or robbing a truck or something. So it gets a little repetitive, but it's, it's like the start of something that you're talking about. So baby uh, a, a version that would be cool to do, I think it was Resident Evil 2, where you had two discs. You had a Claire disc and a, I forget the, Leon yeah. disc, where you played, let's say, as Batman in disc one. You get through the Batman disc, then you put in disc two, and you play as Robin or Nightwing or whoever it is. And then eventually the content from one ends up bleeding into the content of two, and then you get an over-arcing uh, story, or you kind of get the, okay, now to finish this half of the game, please put in disc two, you know, or put in disc one or whatever. Or you could get, you know, it, people keep asking, you know, is Robin a playable character? Can we play as Nightwing and three games now and they keep saying, well, no, no, they're not. They're only confined to the challenge maps. That's my only gripe about the series. Every game, the fans are asking for that. I mean, we kind of got Robin with the Harley Quinn story, and you can play as Nightwing and Robin in the challenge maps, but, you know, I would love to take, you know, the Robin character through Arkham City or take the Dick Grayson character through Arkham Origins and, you know, just see how that would pan out. Yeah, so let's get some co-op, too. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Yeah. yeah, that's the thing about an open-world game. Uh, 
you know, you, you can have all these characters. You, you can have Babs as Batgirl, and you can have Dick as Nightwing, and Tim as Robin, or whoever. And you don't have to constantly play as Batman. You can do some Batman missions, but you can switch characters and go play as Batgirl for however many missions. You know, but you connect all those stories into the main story, and eventually it comes to a conclusion, but then you can do stuff after. I mean, that that's what I'm hoping for, but, I mean, I doubt that it's going to happen because that takes years and years and years to do, you know. It's possible we got the next-gen systems out now, so it's some of us could be... I mean, they can do it now on the current-gen system, but to make it more expansive and more content, like have a full-length single-player campaign for the different characters, I think is more possible now for now that we're on the next generation of video game consoles, so... I think I don't think it's entirely impossible. I think we'll see it eventually. And um, for for me, I am going to go with the series. Uh, I think it'd be cool if they could do some kind of um, like nonlinear time where you have Batman, but um, and he's out, you know, fighting crime. But then you have flashbacks to his um, training, kind of almost what Arrow does, where you have the flashbacks to the island, and so you could have Batman. You know, doing something, but then they could flash back to how he learned those skills and, and learn that stuff in his training so they could kind of jump back and forth. Maybe you could even have a Robin in there where he's training the Robin and you see how, you know, Bruce learned those skills. Um, kind of like, I don't know if they've jumped around. It's been so long since I've seen it, but I love the animated series where Bruce got, they showed him in the circus with, uh, Zatanya and all that. Um, so maybe something like that. And for the video game, I'm going to steal, um, uh, Dane's idea. He, he mentioned it on a previous podcast. Arkham Planet. I think that was his. <laughs> yeah, why not? You had Arkham City, Arkham. You know, well, Arkham Planet would be next. But um, oh, in oh all, no. Arkham in space. Arkham in space. That's what it. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it. Arkham Universe will just, just keep expanding. At Arkham Multi Universe. Um, I actually think if they could do like some kind of modified Nightfall storyline where oh. you played as John Paul Valley, and um, you know, maybe you'd have to tweak it so that, you know, the the breaking of Batman occurs earlier, but if you had the prisoners escaping from Arkham or, or let loose from Bane, and then you had to sort of, like, train to become the new Batman, and then go, and, and kind of in Nightfall, Bruce went and captured all the um, inmates from Arkham, and then that's what, you know, wore him down, so Bane was able to break him. Maybe you just do it a little opposite, where Bruce gets taken out earlier, and you've got to end your training early and go get everybody. And um, maybe they could, you know, they're, they're smarter than I am for the storyline. But maybe that might be my sales pitch on the the next Arkham game. You kind of sort of get that. Oh, um, you do? Uh, only if you have a PS3 right now. <laughs> um, I think it'll be available for Xbox probably coming soon. But you do get the John Paul Valley Azrael skin and you get five challenge maps that are Bane-oriented, and there is some loosely-based content of Nightfall. Oh, cool. Um, just, I mean, little hints. I mean, you really would have to know your Nightfall stuff to go, oh, you know, uh, Bird is in the game. Um, you kind of hear him uh, in, in the main game, and then uh, you hear him also in the challenge maps about them breaking out of the prison and... Uh, letting people go. Um, so at, it's kind of sort of there, but um, I think you're on the right track. Oh, cool. 
And uh, once again, thank you, Alex, for your awesome email, and uh, we we'll look forward to talking to you next time. I guess this time it was called a converse, Conversations with Alex. And see yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so for our next segment, we've got the Batman trivia, and I was kind of inspired by the last podcast, which I was not on, but did get to listen to it. So this is a all-Batman video game uh, edition. I have four questions, and they're, they're um, true or false questions. Mm-hmm. So the first question it deals with the very first time you ever saw Batman in a video game. So true or false, Batman's first appearance in a video game was actually in a Superman video game. So, Tim, what do you think, true or false? I'm going to say false. Okay, and Rob, what do you say? I'm going to go true. All right. Question number two, true or false, in 1990... A Batman game was released for the TurboGrafx-16, which featured gameplay similar to that of Pac-Man, where you viewed it from an overhead perspective, and it involved Batman moving through a maze in order to collect enough items to move on to the next level. So true or false, in 1990 we saw a Pac-Man Batman. What do you say, Tim? I'm going to say false, because I'm pretty sure that I would have heard a note about this game. <laughs> if it is true, I don't know how I missed it. <laughs> and what do you say, Rob? I, I'm going to go with Tim on this one. If, <laughs> if I don't know this one, then there's something really wrong. <laughs> okay. All right. Question number three. All right. The Batman game Return of the Joker, which was very popular, came out for the NES in 1991, came out for the Game Boy in 1992, also came out for Sega Genesis in 1992. Um, in America, it was called Batman Return of the Joker. True or false, in Japan, the game was known as Dynamite Batman. Tim, what do you say? I'm going to say true on this one, because there's a lot of difference with Japan games and American yeah. games with titles. And Rob, what do you say? Dynamite Batman. The dynamite, yes, I will say true. True. All right, and fourth question, uh, that same game, Batman Return of the Joker. Um, actually, the Japanese version had uh, a scene right out of The Killing Joke where the Joker shoots Barbara Gordon, but due to um, parent parent groups kind of freaking out about that, that scene was taken out for the U.S. version of the game. So, Tim, do you think that statement is true or false? I'm going to go with false on that one. And Rob, killing joke scene in the game taken out, true or false? I'm going to say true. True. All right. So the first question, all right, Batman's first appearance in a video game was a Superman game. That is actually false. That is made up. So, Tim, you you smelled BS on that, Rob. I I tricked you on that one. Uh, (laughs) His first game was a 1986 game, which is dreadfully bad. And and I took um, a lot of this information. Wikipedia, which is always correct, has a a site, list of Batman video games. and, And the first Batman game came out in 1986. It was just called Batman for... A bunch of systems I never heard of: the Am- Amistad, CPC, <laughs> Amistrad, PCW, MSX, the Sinclair Z- ZX Spectrum. <laughs> so I don't know um, for what those systems were. Maybe they're the operating systems of some things. I'm not sure. Um, and then um, the first Batman game I saw, which is I sent you guys the link, was called Batman: The Cape Crusader, and that came out for the Amiga, the Apple II, the Commodore 64. Uh, Atari ST and MS-DOS and that. So that was the first one I kind of knew. But uh, getting sidetracked here, my second question, true or false, in 1990, a Batman game was released for the TurboGrafx-16, which featured 
gameplay similar to that of Pac-Man, viewing overhead perspective and involve Batman moving through a maze in order to collect enough items to move on to the next level. I thought it would be a giveaway on this one because I was given too much information, but Tim and Rob, you both said false, but that is actually true. That, 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 <laughs> yeah, I'll send you the link for it. Yeah, um, and uh, yeah, oddly enough, that was actually true. You were the TurboGrafx-16. <laughs> yeah. You, you, you were given a lot of information there. I'm like... This can't be true. You've <laughs> got to be making that up, because that sounds... It yeah. sounds like it could be, but nah. Wow. Yeah, I'll get, it came out October 12, 1990. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's kind of... 1990? Kind of, yeah. Wow. Um, I'll, I'll send you the link to that now one. I feel there. like a bad Batman fan. I didn't know. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> bad, These are, like, so obscure. No. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. as a video game fan and a Batman fan, I should know about those games. Especially yeah. during that time, I was... Like playing video games on my Nintendo with Super Nintendo. Oh, so okay. was I. Yeah, I'll send you the link. Who knows? Maybe they just came out in Japan or something like that. <laughs> They're like only available in Romania or something like that. Oh, here, sorry, here's more thing. Well, it was only released in Japan. I had hoped that someday this game would make it to the U.S. Unfortunately, it still hasn't happened. So <laughs> don't feel too bad. You had to grow up in Tokyo to know about this one. <laughs> so uh, yeah, um, and. Um, the same one here, number three. Uh, you guys were right on this one. Return of the Joker was called Dynamite Batman um, in Japan, which um, did you guys know? Oh, you probably know this, but Pac-Man was originally Puck-Man in Japan. <laughs> yeah, and they had, had to... Uh, my friend Anthony actually found a, an original Puck-Man like, console before they kids were, were changing the P's to F's and they had to change the Pac-Man. <laughs> uh, and number four... Um, Return of the Joker originally had a killing joke scene that had to be cut out. That I just completely made up. So uh, Tim saw through that, Rob. I, I tricked you. I tricked you twice, Rob. So I, I now I know I can. Uh, <laughs> if I ever need to, I can get you. <laughs> Rob, I know you're gullible. Yeah. Oh, okay. and, and Tim, don't feel too bad about a a, a, a Japanese only released Batman game that. I <laughs> I'm not going to go to sleep now because of that. <laughs> yeah. Like, i got to find some screenshots of that. That's got to be funny. <laughs> yeah, at least send the title of it so I can do some type of search for it. Yeah. But Batman and Pac-Man. Who knew that would be a video game combination? <laughs> All right. Well, now that I feel bad after that trivia section of <laughs> being a bad yeah. Batman and video game fan, we can go ahead and move on to our comic reviews. And should probably mention that you probably figured out by now since... Dane didn't answer any of those trivia questions that he had to take off for the podcast, but we'll continue on with the comic book reviews. And we're going to be covering the weeks of November 6th. And uh, see, I did it again. I got one re- week right on the list of our comic reviews, but the second week I put October 30th on there. <laughs> oh, what should it have been? Uh, whatever this week was. The, oh, that's this week. Okay, I, I had it out of order. <laughs> for the... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was tongue-tied on, me and Robert tongue-tied on the last episode. It's still continuing for me on this one. <laughs> yeah. All right, so for we got the weeks of November 6th, and even though I put October 30th on our show notes, it's actually the week of November 13th we're going to be covering. So for November 6th, we got Detective Comics number 25, for Forever Evil number 3, and Batman Superman number 5. And for November 13th, we got Batman 25, Batgirl 25, and Nightwing 25. And we should always mention that there's going to be full spoilers in our reviews, so if you haven't read them yet, you might want to hold off on listening to the section, read them, and then hear what we have to say about them. 
And then for our rating scale this episode, we're going to be going with the numbers of rumored superheroes who are going to be in Batman versus Superman. And it's probably going to be more than five at the rate they're going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So maybe we'll be giving tens and eights. <laughs> <laughs> but to kick off the reviews for November 6th, let's go with uh, Detective Comics number 25. So, uh, Rob, go ahead and start us off with this one. Uh, Detective Comics... Now I'm doing it. <laughs> uh, Detective Comics uh, 25 is a James Gordon uh, story. Um, this is all taking place during the blackout of Zero Year. Am I said that right? Yes, I want to say Year One for some reason. Uh, zero Year, uh, we get the... Uh, I would say the first appearance of Black Mask, but that's not actually correct. I'm in a 52. Um, it's taking place down at the docks. Uh, Gordon is a new cop, and uh, it's kind of staying true to uh, year one that Gordon is trying to, you know, do the right thing. Uh, the corrupts... Uh, corrupts? Jeez. <laughs> the cops... That looks like I've done, <laughs> Yeah, thanks a lot. I'm back. Uh, the, the cops are corrupt, and uh, Gordon is trying to do the best that he possibly can. Um, he has a flashlight that Barbara has given him to kind of be able to uh, more of a sentimental thing to be able to, you know, shine a, a signal if, you know, if he's in danger or whatnot. And uh, the cops end up uh, throwing James Gordon off of a bridge to uh, try and kill him for uh, getting in the way of uh, just everything that uh, is going on wrong in the city. And uh, anybody that has fallen from the bridge... Uh, most of them have died, but any of the ones that end up surviving uh, don't exactly turn out uh, very well. Probably severe broken legs and limbs. Now, we do get a little bit of reference to the Red Hood gang uh, that's going in in and around uh, the city, but uh, uh, Raven Sionis is uh, running the uh, his parents' uh, I want to say perfume. Am I, is that correct? Is it perfume like cosmetics. Factor? Cosmetics, yeah. Um, and that's where the, the story is basically uh, revolving around is Gordon trying to see how far the corruption is going in and every turn that he is uh, taking is just turning into another crooked cop, um, even as far as uh, Commissioner Loeb. And uh, he's not even sure if he's on the up and up or not. And uh, that's basically the the gist of the story, although we find out uh, after Gordon is a, ends up bringing uh, the crooked cops slowly into justice that uh, Harvey Bullock makes an appearance and ends up standing up for what's right. But we find out that as uh, Gordon is trying to f- realize, you know, how how did he survive the fall? And it turns out that a man dressed up as a bat actually saved Commissioner Gordon. So um, I thought this was a, a very good uh, issue of Detective Comics. Um, I probably wouldn't have picked this up uh, if it had to been for a zero-year tie-in. I kind of told myself I was going to whittle down some of the comics, but uh, uh, John Latham and uh, Jason Fallock did a, another really good, solid story in this. So I, I'm sure I probably left a few things out in my quick run of the synopsis, so I'll ask my fellow comic book brothers to fill in probably some missing pieces. But uh, I'm going to give this uh, four out of five. Uh, 
new and interesting superheroes that are going to make uh, cameos or have full screen time that's going to overshadow Batman and Superman and Man of Steel 2. Yeah, for me, I absolutely love this issue. I mean, as being a Gordon-centric, it has the potential to be really cool, but I didn't think I was going to enjoy it this much. I mean, just like you said, the basic story of it is seeing Gordon try to be a good, honest cop in this police department that's full of corrupt and crooked cops and that every turn and move he makes he's surrounded by corruption and these cops i love how it started with him getting uh beat up by one of the crooked cops who turns on him who was his partner for this case and then they tried killing him twice throwing him off the bridge but he survived and you kind of that was kind of something you saw coming where how did he survive oh you know it's batman but still it didn't hurt the issue at all and just him trying to take down the, the black mask gang and trying to prove that Roman Sionis is behind it, and that he's trying to go to Commissioner Loeb, and he doesn't want him to focus on that, but wants him to focus on capturing Batman. I just love Gordon's attitude about this whole thing, where he's all like, you really want me to go over Vigilante, who's helping people during this blackout, during this massive storm we're having, instead of going after these mass murderers who are just killing people left and right. And like the Commissioner's like... Yeah, that's what I want you to do, basically. But it turns out Commissioner Loeb really isn't a bad bad cop in this one, but he's kind of someone who's fed up and kind of given up the process because he knows everyone around him's crooked, so he's probably figuring what's the point of standing up. But seeing some of these other cops that Gordon had to partner himself with, I mean, there was that one guy who was, uh, who actually he was like an older detective. I think his name was uh, Officer Lanny or Laney, and he unpurposely arrived late, arrived late to the crime scene of a bank robbery by the Black Mask game. And then you see these victims that they were killed. And Gordon's all, like, you, like you did that on purpose and we were late and people died because of us. And then the person, the cricket cop, like, doesn't really care. He's all like, oh, I'm sorry, I guess I got my streets all mixed up. I don't know what happened. Just having this non-caring attitude. It just really makes you hate these cricket cops that Gordon surround himself with and that, you makes you like Gordon more for just standing up for us right and being like great cop that he is. And then we get the ending, like you mentioned, where uh, he's proven that Roman Sionis is behind the black mask gang. And that even, I love the moment where he comes back to the police station where his partner that Loeb set him up was turned on him, but he thought he Gordon was dead and he was going to, frame it that oh Gordon had a suicide he was telling cops oh I don't know where he's at he's been depressed lately and then it would turn out oh he killed himself but I love it where Gordon just enters the room and just punches him right in the face and just takes him down he pretty much says you're under like, you're all under arrest but then that one cop uh, officer line puts a gun at him and then Gordon tries or he hands Loeb the folder that shows Roman Sionis is behind everything and all the cops are in on it and how they're all crooked and just about when Lonnie was going to shoot him. I just loved how Bullet comes in and just knocks him on the head, knocks him out. And he's all, uh, Gordon tells him to stand down. Then Bullet comes, knocks him down. He's all like, the man said stand down. I just love it because Bullock's a character you like, even though there's stories where he doesn't get along with Batman and he doesn't like his form of justice. Bullock is still a good, honest cop, even though his methods might not be <laughs> what are the best way for a cop to be. But, He's still a good, honest cop. And to show him in this light, sticking up for Gordon, I just thought it was a great way to introduce him. And he was a lot thinner, too, in this issue <laughs> than he was, uh, as we see him now in other stories. But uh, that was a great moment. And just this whole story overall is showing 
Gordon amongst this department of crooked cops is really cool. And I like the use of the bat signal, how Gordon got the idea to use it because of that broken or that flashlight Barbara gave him. Gave him. And he used that signal for help when he was being beaten up at the beginning by those crooked cops. So I like how that was kind of the formation of the bat symbol, or the bat signal, I should say. This kind of great ties into that. I was just looking at the panel of the uh, very end right before Gordon gets uh, saved by Batman, where he goes back and finds the flashlight. Mm-hmm. Um, I just noticed that the broken lens of the flashlight is kind of, sort of, in the shape of a bat. Yeah. <laughs> I, did, I didn't notice that on the first read. Yeah, so how that all ties in, and it just makes perfect sense to how that would get give him the idea to make a giant bat signal to shine over the city. And that was a great how it kind of connected that with the backup story, too. So overall, I really love this issue, and uh, I mentioned, too, that, or I, I shouldn't say I mentioned to you guys, but on Twitter I mentioned that uh, if the Detective Gordon show that's supposed to be in development is anything like this issue, I'm going to be real happy because this is kind of the stuff I want to see from that show, the seeing Gordon as a good, honest cop, making his way to do the right thing amongst a department full of crooked cops. So really cool story. I'm going to give it four and a half out of five uh, rumored DC superheroes that are going to be in the Man of Steel sequel. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you, Tim. Um, Neither of you mentioned the backup story, um, and I'm going to do that one first, uh, written by John Lehman, art by Jorge Lucas. Um, (laughs) I did not like the backup story. I'd give that a zero out of five. Um, I would say, yeah, enough with Kirk Langstrom and every issue of Detective Comics. (laughs) The story is good to begin with, and it's like you're just shoehorned into this one. Exactly, and I got disappointed because it started out with somebody standing on um, the Trigate Bridge as a jumper, and I couldn't tell first, oh, is this Gordon? Or And, and then I'm like, well, no, because he was thrown over. And then it goes in there, I'm like, ah, oh, this is cool how they're tying it in. It reminded me of um, the backups that were in Detective Comics when um, Dick Grayson was Batman and Scott Snyder was first starting his run and how he would link them together. And then also when they threw Man Bat in here, I was like, oh, really, again, with the Man Bat thing? And it was really short. I, I didn't like the backup. But... To to talk about the main story, which you guys um, detailed really well, I, I really like this. Uh, uh, Frank Miller, I saw him in an interview, and I think it's on the year one discs, I'm not sure, and he talked about how he likes Lieutenant Gordon a lot more than Commissioner Gordon. He likes that one man against the system and going against the corruption, and I never thought about it until I heard Frank Miller say that, and I was like, you know what, that is cool, I like that. And this, this was a, a great story. If you like year one, you would like this story. Um, I love the Lieutenant Gordon stuff. I loved it in The Dark Knight. Um, and the artwork is great. Uh, in a lot of the panels, it's raining, and they have a great, great rain effect. And it even has, like, drops, like, scattering and stuff. It, it's just the rain effects in here were really good. The coloring is really good. It's, it's, it's kind of muted. It's not too many colors. The, the lighting of the flashlight is done really well. So the artwork, for me, I, I would give the artwork a 5 out of 5, uh, you know, as far as kind of artwork I like. And um, the internal dialogue of Gordon was done really well. Um, you know, I, I can be very picky about that. It, it's not as good as Frank Miller in year one, but, hey, that's like the best of the best. Uh, you know, but there was no line in it where I thought, oh, that's not something Jim Gordon would say. Like, every line I thought, that was kind of straight, no nonsense, Jim Gordon focused, determined, you know, um, so, um, and it told the story really well. And then I loved, loved, loved the cameo of Bullock, especially him not out of shape. <laughs> yeah. um, and it was so good because 
when when you watch the animated series and, and a lot of stuff with Bullock, you wonder like he's he's such a slob and he's not a good cop and he's out of shape and you you think like there's got to be something else like Jim Gordon knows something else about Bullock or or something's happened between Jim Gordon and Bullock where despite Bullock's shortcomings and his failings and his poor hygiene, Gordon knows that he can trust Bullock and Gordon knows that deep down Bullock is, you know, somebody he wants on his side and on his team and he's going to, you know, forgive him or overlook those things that are just, you know, comical or silly. Uh, and this here was like a great moment of you could see like, okay, you would see where Jim Gordon would have Bullock with him forever because of this. Uh, so I thought that that was really cool. And it was just, it, it was just kind of, uh, uh, subtle. You know, he's got the Bullock name tag on and then that's it. And he's not in the story anymore. Um, and I really liked reading this, um, digitally because when there's some suspense, cause when Gordon comes back after being thrown off the bridge and, uh, that cop is talking about how he's setting it up for Gordon to, um, have committed suicide i was kind of like well what's gordon going to do is he just going to walk to his desk and he's he going to play it like year one where he kind of like was waiting or is he just going to walk up and sock this guy in the face and if i would have had the paper copy i probably would have flipped through and, and seen the punch but digitally it, it came up and the this the artwork of the punch is in bright red so it was such a color contrast it was a really really cool effect uh reading it digitally um, and so, yeah, um, this, this one, this was really good. And I had the same thoughts that you had, Tim. I thought if they can tap into this for the television series, I think they would have a, a hit on their hands, especially just sort of that kind of one man going against the, the corrupt system. Um, the only knock I had of it, I did think it was a little lame, but I guess it's for the storytelling that he just, you know, trying to figure out who's the, the leader of the black mask gang, and he's got all these masks in the lobby, and he's like, oh, that's it. I, it wasn't really much of detective work there. Just like <laughs> like three panels, like, I'm looking for black masks. Oh, this guy's got a lot of masks. He's black masks. <laughs> um, that's true. But, but yeah, you know what? It, I can overlook it. It, it. You know, that wasn't the main part of the story. It, it, so, um, you know, whatever. It, it was okay. Uh, so, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go all out out on this one i'm going to give a five out of five uh superheroes that will make an appearance in um the batman superman movie cool yeah i was tempted for a five but i think like you said the only reason for me not giving a full five for a perfect issue is just that like we said the backup wasn't great and seeing kirk lakeshore as man that in there just like took it down just that half point for me like uh so close to being perfect <laughs> yeah i think i read too that they're not gonna be doing the backups anymore in some of these books, which I, I think is good. I, yeah. To me, it's like, you could take all the backups and put it in its own comic, and I, I don't know. I, I, I wanted to give it a five, but the uh, the backup was just, it, it brought it down. I thought it was going one direction, then it, Man Bat showed up, and I kind of tuned out. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. Yeah, I always get the feeling that the backups are just a way for them to charge us an extra dollar. Like, it's it's not really giving us anything, and it's just squeezing a dollar out of us. Yeah, sure, especially for all the books that, the Batman books, anyway, that we always get. I don't think, I think the only Batman book that's two ninety nine is The Dark Knight, I believe. Yeah, okay. The rest yeah. three ninety nine yeah. or four ninety nine. Yeah. And the only time I ever liked the backups was when Scott Snyder did them. He, he, he's got a good way of tying in the backups to the main story, yeah. but giving you something extra. Um, anybody else, it's just been, it just seems like filler. And his first backups with the first introducing James Gordon Jr. and the Gordon stuff, so that was awesome. 
Yeah, and his death of the fam- death of the family backups I thought were pretty cool too. Yeah. All right, for our next issue, we'll go ahead and go to Forever Evil number three. Now, for this one, I'm not going to say it was bad, but there's just nothing really great or good about it that makes it really stand out as an issue we had to read as part of an event. Because for me, the most important part of it was just in the very beginning where we get a Batman kind of telling us what happened to the Justice League, finally finding out why everyone, especially the crime syndicate, thinks they're dead. And the big reason is that uh, they all pretty much got sucked into the firestorm matrix caused by uh, the I'm just going to call him the Bizarro Firestorm <laughs> from uh, <laughs> Earth 3, the Crime Syndicate version. Death is he Deathstorm? Is he? Yes. Okay, that's it. Okay, yep. yeah. I'm still going to call him Bizarro Firestorm. And I like Bizarro <laughs> Firestorm better, yeah. Since Bizarro is in this issue, we could tie it in that way. <laughs> but yeah, so um, just Batman and Catwoman and half a cyborg made it out. So Batman's retelling the story to Cy- or Vic Sage's father, uh, asking if he can re- pretty much repair him. And he's kind of telling him all that happened. So I'm just glad to see, finally know what happened to the Justice League that were inside the Firestorm Matrix. So, of course, we knew they weren't dead, but it's just nice to know that they're there. And now we just have to wait and see how they're going to get out of there. But the rest of the, vis- the issue is just okay. Um, in Justice League, I believe number 24, the previous Justice League issue, we got the whole Ultraman versus Black Adam fight, which was pretty cool in that issue. And it kind of concluded here where we see pretty much Ultraman beating up Black Adam and just Black Adam having really no effect on him except for making him bleed just a little bit would cause the shock to Ultraman. And then we'd see like Luthor and Bizarro Black Luthor's trying to have Bizarro get this hooked up to this network so he can track the crime syndicate and know what they're doing. And then this final segment is a death storm in a power ring confronting the rogues wanting to know why they didn't destroy uh, Central City, and I do like the rogues in that even though they're criminals, they do have a sense of honor where they're all, we're not destroying the city, there's like schools and hospitals here. They're not truly bad guys, and I always like that about them, and they're kind of standing up for really what's right, even though they're not the most powerful villains out there, especially when they find out that Deathstorm can, or Bizarro Firestorm can depower them, which he does, uh, Captain Cold. And so they all pretty much try to escape to one of Mirror Master's mirrors, but it gets blasted and they're all kind of scattered about. And then the final portion of it is where Captain Cold sees Luthor and Bizarro, and he's going to team up with them, really, as Luthor's teaming up with Black Manta. So it looks like the four of them are forming their own little group to take on the crime syndicate. So I guess the purpose of this issue was kind of to get these villains all together and to get the explanation of what happened to the Justice League. But other than that, nothing really special about it. Where you know how they have those tie-in issues like we'd have with Justice League. It felt like this issue could have been that, and something more should have been in the actual Forever Evil comic number three. So it wasn't horrible, but I was just expecting more from it, I guess. So I'm just going to give this one three out of five uh, DC superheroes who are rumored to be in the upcoming Man of Steel sequel. So. A three for issue number three. Yeah, I agree with you, Tim. I, I, after I read it, I was kind of like, that's it? Like, Yeah. 
Especially when we had the first issue kind of had that big reveal of, you know, Dick Grayson being unmasked. And I kind of just thought that every issue would just have something even bigger and bigger. And, and it really hasn't. The artwork looked nice. David Finch's pencils looked, looked really good. And, and, uh, you know, it was pretty to look at. Um, but I, I expected more, especially, especially the scene where Batman finds out about Dick Grayson was kind of, you know, it wasn't horrible, but it, it just, it was like, it seemed like it was lacking something and lacking some emotion. And Catwoman is like, who is he? Like, you would think Catwoman would know that Batman um, and Nightwing were partners. Like, it, it just seemed kind of odd. Like, and then um, he's just like, he's a friend. And, and that's all they leave it as. I, I just, I, it's not that there was anything wrong with it. It's just, I've just expected more. Um, and um, even the Luther stuff, it just goes all, all just like it was like I can't point to it and say this was bad. Yeah. But I exactly. just feel like it was real thin and just like there was no meat. It was just icing or, or you know no cake or just icing. Um. So you know hopefully it'll get better. But um, it just seemed to end real quick. And um, you know Jeff Johns he loves the rogues and um he he does them really well. Um and does have sort of like that honor among thieves and 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 that they you know. Have no problem robbing a bank, but they're not going to, you know, rob a, you know, an orphanage or a hospital or something like that. Um, and so I like like how he writes them. But um, all I can say is I, I hope I hope it gets better. But um, uh, yeah, that, that that's about it. So I'd give it a two out of five superheroes that'll appear in the next Superman Batman movie. Uh, this is a seven issue arc. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, I- Sometimes I like the long arcs. I think some people were worried about, you know, Scott Snyder's Death of the Family and the Court of the Owls, that an arc can go on too long, that you're going to have some weak issues. And uh, Snyder, for the most part, has has had really good, strong issues. And I think uh, Jeff Johns is kind of on the other side of that. He does a lot of really good single-one issues, but in the whole arc, he has some sleepers. And I think this was one of them. Like you said, Terrence, they're... There isn't a, a list of things that can go, okay, well, this is wrong, and this is wrong, this is why I don't like it. it even in just that Batman-Catwoman scene, I was expecting I was expecting something more out of that scene. I'm like, he's he's a friend, That that's it, that's Batman's reaction. It's not a get suited up, we're going, let's, let's go do something type of deal. But, you know, underwhelmed, I guess. Like, the first two issues I thought were really strong, and like you said, it was that Nightwing unmasking. I was just thinking, wow, Jeff Johns is really going to deliver every single issue. And so I'm kind of thinking that the next issue will probably be very will be much better. And then the next issue after that's probably going to falter a little bit. So I'm going to give this two and a half uh, other superheroes that are going to appear in the, the Man of Steel sequel out of five. All right. Well, that'll take us to Batman Superman number five. And Rob, since I didn't read this issue, unfortunately, like you had to come back on some issues, and Batman Superman is unfortunately that title right now. Unless we get some amazing story arc where I have to go back and catch up, but I guess I'll find out from you in your review. What did you think of it? Um, this too could be one I could I could cut back on. Uh, <laughs> uh, Brett Booth is uh, the artist on this, and I like his art, but at the same time, all of his characters look exactly the same. They all have the same face proportions. 
they all look anime-ish a little bit or oriental a, a little bit. Um, it's it's a beautiful artwork. Um, Terrence, did you read this one? I did not. When I started with Brett Booth, I, I skipped on it. I can't. I couldn't believe they were going to a, uh, another artist this quick in the run of the series. Um, and I'm not a huge Brett Booth fan. He's an image guy, and um, it's not that I think he's bad. It's, it's just seeing him in Teen Titans and stuff. After you've seen a few pages of his artwork, you've seen it, it all. It's just like it's very repetitive. And like yeah. you said, yeah, the the faces and everybody looks very much the same, which is a, a knock on Jim Lee, which I think Brett Booth was part of Jim Lee's image, whatever his team was, Wildstorm or something like yes. that. Um, yes, yeah, Jim Lee's every his guys all look the same too. So yeah, I I agree, but I did not read this one. Uh, this issue is completely uh, horizontal, all the way through this entire arc. You have to read it on its side. Um, yeah, I saw so that when I saw it at the, the cover shop, too, like, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the cover too. Although if you want to read the ads, you got to turn the book uh, vertical again. Right, yeah. <laughs> I was getting horizontal vertical. So you but, can see more uh, cast members from Arrow without their shirts on. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Um, and maybe uh, some of them should be wearing pants. But, well, <laughs> uh, it is back pants without pants, so I guess it does work. Um, basically, we have seen this story before. If you have seen uh, Public Enemies, uh, you know where this is. Uh, Hero, or Hito, I think, the, what do they call it? The, the toy. Toy Man is in this. He has, uh, this goes right into our discussion last week of a video game. That's he, what he's basically doing. He wants to have Batman and Superman fight each other. Um, and is having, I don't know if they're like nanobites or whatever, but he's created like a multiplayer with some other people that are doing a beta test. And, uh, they have created a virtual Nightwing to fight uh, Batman uh, against, and Batman's easily uh, able to detect that it's not Nightwing. Uh, Batman and Superman aren't—they're getting along. It's—it kind of reminds me if you've played a Lego Batman two or seen the movie where Batman doesn't want Superman to save him all the time or doesn't want—you know—I I can do this without you, Clark and Clark. Almost at one point, it's like, well, I heard you calling from like four states away, but I figured I'd better stay here. I mean, it, it kind of reads like that. I was kind of disappointed in uh, Greg Pak's writing. I thought it, his first arc was done really well, and it also sounds like the art team is going to kind of be uh, changing uh, from issue to issue. Uh, Brett Booth is on this for the next three issues that he's off, and then somebody else is coming in. Um, but the overall synopsis, it's, it's a video game fight between uh, Batman and Nightwing and Superman is out. It's really kind of unclear what Superman is doing. He's in another part of the country at the Daily Planet uh, getting uh, some information, but it's unclear what that is. And right towards the very end, Mongol ends up making an appearance and uh, Batman has to try and take uh, Mongol down and... Uh, Toy Man ends up getting pulled out of the reality, of the virtual reality, and into real life. And uh, the final panel is uh, uh, Batman knocked to the ground, almost completely unconscious, and Superman can tell that something is wrong with Bruce and uh, is frantically trying to fly back and get back before uh, Batman is killed by Mongol. Um, they do kind of 
uh, poke a little fun at each other that uh, Clark can't understand why Bruce wants to be called Batman when he's in costume. So, like, you know, I'm I'm in my Batman costume. You call me Batman. He's like, but I know you're Bruce. He's like, I know that. But somebody could be listening into the frequency. He says, well, you have a plan for that. There's no way anybody can hack into your frequency. You would know that. And Batman is still saying, yes, even though that's true, uh, still call me Batman. So Superman is, is just really kind of doesn't get it. Like, you know, he's, he's Clark Kent. He's just Superman. He gets the importance of a secret identity, but doesn't understand why when the two of them are standing side by side, they can't call each other Clark and Bruce. So, um, well, Batman does use that uncrackable code of Penny One for Alfred Pennyworth that no one would ever be able to decipher. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's basically the gist of it. It's it's, it's a virtual video game where uh, the other players are trying to use a virtual Nightwing to try and kill Batman. So um, I'm gonna give it I'm gonna give it two out of five uh, possible superheroes that are going to be in Superman and Batman, and I'm somebody that I won't jump off a book until the arc is finished, and by that point, there'll be a new art team, because somewhere down the line, I could decide to read this book, and if I jump off this issue, I won't know how this very weak story will finish. But, I mean, Greg Pak wrote such a really good first arc for Batman and Superman that I'm I was just really disappointed in this issue. So... Yeah, and that's one of the reasons why I passed on it. When I read the solicitation and it said it was about a video game, all that, I just felt like, haven't we seen this a thousand times before yeah. with the whole video game thing? And uh, so, yeah. It, and, and that they use the exact same character. It's it's literally Public Enemies, uh, the movie oh. adaption. Instead of a giant robot, it's a virtual Nightwing. Yeah, I never really liked those stories, except for the Batman animated series episode, What is Reality?, where characters go into video games. And they're fighting these different versions. Like, even there's that Batman Beyond episode, Centuries of the Lost Cosmos, where these kids get wrapped around to a live, real life version of their favorite video game. I just don't like that story aspect for a lot of things, not just Batman and all that, but just when you get trapped inside a video game, it's kind of, alright, like, we know where this is going. They're gonna get out eventually, and they're gonna have to fight somebody who's their friend, but it's not really them and all that, so, yeah. Just, yeah. So, like I said, Rob, disappointing after that great first arc. Uh, they had with the Batman Superman that they're going this route with it. So, so if you haven't picked it up yet, you're not missing anything. Wait till uh, Brett Booth is not that he's in fault for the story or anything, but when the new artist change comes around, there'll be it'll be a new storyline. So, yeah. looks like I made the right decision. Thanks, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> glad I, glad I could help. <laughs> All right, so that'll take us into the week of November thirteenth. And we got Batman number 25, Batgirl number 25, and Nightwing 25. So I guess to start off, we'll go with the sidekick issues first. So let's go with Batgirl number 25. And for this issue, I actually really like this one. I do find it interesting, though, that for all these different tie-ins, either it's Court of Owls, Death of the Family, now Zero Year, Gail Simone never writes the tie-in issues for Batgirl. And I wonder why. And they're the better issues. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes they are. And I have to say, this issues is one of them. I really like this one. Because the main reason I like it is these tie-in issues should show what these characters are going through in the city of Gotham right now and how they adapt to it and just tra- this uh, like tragedy that's happening to Gotham with this big storm, how they're surviving in it and how what they're doing to help. Because they're heroes and you expect them, even though they're not, 
that are costume heroes yet. They're going to help people and help others in this time of crisis. I like how it showed that with Barbara in this one. First, I mean, the intro where it's showing some guy at, about having a gun shoved in her face just because he wants her bread and gas, just showing how bad things are in Gotham. Now she was able to get out of that and get home. Now Gordon's kind of trusting her to be in charge of their house while he's away and take care of her brother, James Gordon Jr. She really is taking into that. I mean, she's going to do everything she can to protect her brother and their home. But then she finds out, oh, they have to evacuate because it's a flood zone, so they have to go to the shelter for a little bit. And then it turns out that that wasn't even a safe place where that place gets flooded. And then she meets this guy there named Henry who's pretty much shows her the ropes, kind of there to help her out and kind of, I guess, be like a older brother to her, her and James for this uh, time of need. And it turns out that uh, the place gets flooded and Barbara ends up uh, helping these people, kind of just showing the hero in her. Uh, James tells her, oh, let's leave. We have to climb this pole. Just leave them. They'll drown us if we help them. But she says, no, she's going to help them. And they're able to get a good portion of those people out of there. But the thing I didn't see coming is pretty much towards the end of the issue, where after her and a bunch of people get out, and that guy, Henry, they're still, like, hopping from roof to roof, trying to make their way um, out of this flood zone. And then it turns out they're at this point where uh, the ladder that they were using to go from rooftop to rooftop it ends up falling, and Henry's the only one who makes it over there. And he tells everyone, hand me your bags and packs. It'll be lighter for you to jump over. And when you jump over, I'll catch you. But once they hand over all the bags, he pretty much shows his true colors and says, he's sorry, I have to take your things. This is it's like a survival of the fittest type situation. It's nothing personal, but this is desperate time, and I'm doing what I have to to protect myself. And then Barbara is, of course, not going to take that. She leaps over the rooftop to the next one without the use of a ladder just takes this guy Henry down and they have a little skirmish and thankfully before she left her home she took some of uh, her father's police uh, gear so she has like a, a vest and a baton and like some of the police gear that he has and she's able to pretty much take down this guy Henry and he ends up falling over into the flood and he's, he doesn't die but he just kind of makes a casual like farewell like I'll see you around kid like kind of showing that he respects her for what he did even though he's pretty much on his own now. He doesn't have any supplies and doesn't know if he's going to survive. But And then Barbara comes to the realization that, yeah, Gordon instructed her to protect their home, but she realized her home is Gotham and all these people, and that's what she really has to protect. And she showed that in this issue. So I really liked how they had her uh, character written, showing her true hero quality, even though she's not Batgirl yet, but she has the makeup for it and her determination to do what's right and to help people. So... I thought uh, Margaret Bennett did a great job of filling in for Gail Simone in this issue and writing Barbara. So I'm going to go ahead and give this one uh, four out of five rumored DC superheroes who are going to be in the Man of Steel sequel. So I really enjoyed this one. Uh, Margaret Bennett, isn't she the one that did the uh, Batman annual with the Arkham Asylum uh, creepy lady where Batman's in the... uh, testing out the new facility and having a break right on that. I can't remember right now, but it sounds familiar. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I will agree with everything you said. I think this is, I think this is a really good issue. And I, I was kind of happy to see, not see Gail Simone's name attached to it. Um, I'll probably get a lot of hate mail from the Gail Simone fans, but uh, it was just refreshing to see somebody else tackle the character and, 
Um, yeah, it's just this is how I feel Barbara Gordon uh, should be. She was hitting all the all the beats that you would expect out of Barbara Gordon and the things that would eventually propel her to, you know, be the crime fighter that she's going to grow up to be. And I, I love the zero in, uh, tie in issues that there's other people in Gotham city. We had, uh, discussed if we were going to cover any of the other, uh, zero and tie issues. I got the green arrow issue and the green lantern core. And it's just cool to see what those characters are doing also in Gotham City and how their stories uh, play out. And I, I just liked uh, seeing Barbara having to realize that uh, home could be not just the literal home, like you said, her house, but she realizes Gotham is, is her home and she's going to do whatever it takes to uh, protect uh, the people of Gotham City during this catastrophic event, which I think is kind of cool that it's the blackout created by the Riddler and it's this a super you know, huge storm that's coming through. They even make a mention of the issue that uh, part of the uh, building that they were on is in the uh, marshlands, and it's causing, I think it's like a rec center or some like shelter that they're in, that the water is coming in through the windows, but it's also coming in up underneath the floor, and it causes the whole building to uh, cave in and just see Babs um, trying to fight for every life that's in there. So I thought that was just really good. So... I'm going to give this uh, four out of five uh, possible new superheroes we're going to see along with Batman, Superman, and Man of Steel 2. We're almost an exact uh, score synchronization. <laughs> the same. Um, but we'll see if that's the same for Nightwing's number 25. <laughs> uh, so, uh, I'll start with this one then. So all right. For Nightwing number 25, um, yeah, this one I'll have to say I was a bit disappointed in. I mean, out of all the characters who I want to see, in the zero-year time period is Dick Grayson, and unfortunately his story wasn't the best. Basically, it's because, like I said with Barbara's story, you want to see how these future heroes are going to act during this time of crisis and how they're involved with Gotham City and doing what they can to help. And But for Dick's story, it just sent like a sequence of unfortunate uh, coincidences, really. <laughs> like, he was just at the wrong place at the wrong time. Because it starts off with him... Uh, going to a movie. He was supposed to go with his uh, uh, friends, Rhea and uh, was it Rudy, is it? I, I think so. I'm looking real quick. <laughs> <laughs> it would help if we remember certain characters' names when <laughs> we go back to it. But There was a whole arc. We thought yeah. we were <laughs> but anyway, Dick's two friends. Oh, like it, it was nice to see those characters again. It, it's Raymond, actually. Raymond, yes. Yeah. I had an R, so <laughs> I was kind of <laughs> close. But yeah, Rhea and Raymond... Uh, Dick was supposed to go to the movies with them, but Dick showed off again at his latest performance, and they're kind of mad at him, showing, like, oh, he's the main star. He's just showing off. He doesn't need to hang out with us. I mean, all he cares about is full limelight. So since uh, they weren't going to go to the movies with him, Dick's father didn't want him to go by himself because it's Gotham. <laughs> but Dick goes anyway. He goes to the movies. The blackout happens, and then everyone starts panicking just because it's a blackout. They think they're under attack, and he gets trampled. But then these uh, kids come by and they help them out and they make their way uh, from the theater and I believe they're trying to get to the circus. But all of a sudden, uh, that Batman villain, who I only remember from Nightfall, uh, Amygdala, I think that's how you pronounce it, <laughs> but uh, he makes his 52 appearance and he just, because of the blackout, I guess, escapes out of this hospital that, we, that he was in and goes on a rampage and he ends up 
meeting up with Dick and his new friends that found him. And that's, like I said, this is a series of unfortunate coincidences that's happening to Dick. And I guess the only real moment that kind of has some character development was, was one of the uh, kids who was running away, he sprains his ankle. I guess the leader of the group was kind of saying, oh, we have to leave him. I have to get out of here because of my father. Like, you don't know what, he's, like, what he'll do if like, I'm not there. So he leaves them all behind, but Dick and this other girl, they stay with their friend and to help him out. And for some reason, they Dick's sweater gets ripped up, and they turn it into masks. I guess the whole point was trying to imitate this movie that they were watching to be like the heroes from that. I just felt that kind of a little cheesy. I thought I was going to have something more to do with a precursor to him being Robin or Nightwing, but it, it wasn't really that at all. Of course, they escape and make their way to back to the circus, and we find out that that kid who left him behind to save himself, he was the son of Sal Maroney. So that was kind of a twist I didn't see coming, but nothing really too big that made me think, oh, what a twist that makes this issue at home much better. Still didn't find it to be that engaging. and I just felt it was a waste of Dick Grayson in the zero year. And I'm kind of surprised because Kyle Higgins has done great stuff with Nightwing. I like the last annual that was we had a few weeks ago, so I was disappointed with this one. So I'm just going to go ahead and give it uh, two out of five DC superheroes who are rumored to be in the Man of Steel sequel. So, yeah, I was hoping for something more with this one. Uh, let's see if you agree with me on this one, Rob. <laughs> um, I'm going to give my rating now at two out of five DC superheroes. Um, I, I was really disappointed in this one, and I really think, I don't know if part of it is what's going on in Forever Evil, that I was reading some of the tweets by, um, maybe it was a tweet, it was an interview with Kyle Higgins, that they were asking, you know, about what's going on with Nightwing and Forever Evil, and sometimes you get thrown a curveball and you have to work around it. Um, but I think since he's been on uh, Batman uh, Beyond, his Nightwing has suffered uh, because of it. I don't know if he's just so in love with the Batman Beyond universe, and that's all cool, but the things that really made the new 52 Nightwing really cool, I think, are kind of a lacking. I was really expecting a knockout story in this one, and I just, I felt I was all kinds of let down. Like you said, it's, it's just a series of, it, it could have been any kid in the movie yeah. theater. It just happened to be Dick Grayson. There was, uh, I thought maybe this was going to take place after his parents were murdered, that there was something he he was going to do that way, so uh, I don't know if I read the solicitation wrong or if I just I had it in my mind what it could be. So I yeah I I was just as disappointed as you were with it. I was one of the few things that Kyle Higgins has written that I was really kind of disappointed in. It was kind of a this was a pass. You know if you if you didn't get it you're not missing anything. Yeah, agreed. You mentioned Batman Beyond. I've fallen behind on that too because <laughs> I've really been enjoying that and I want to go. I need to catch up on that. But, yeah, so I was kind of expecting the opposite, what Batgirl was going to be, what Nightwing was, but <laughs> it turned out to be the other way around. Same and here. I did look it up, Rob. Margaret Bennett did do that Batman annual two story. Okay, cool. So. I mean, it's it seemed, I wouldn't say, like, not familiar, but the, the writing was something that I was like, I think I've kind of read something from her before, and I was just having a hard time placing what it was, so. yeah. All right, so that'll take us to the big one, Batman number 25. We're in the second part of Scott Snyder's Zero Year story. 
I'm kind of getting the Dark Knight Returns like feel where there's those different parts where we already had the first part with like uh, Batman coming back, taking down the mutants in Two-Face, and now we're in the second part where we're going to get the Joker stuff. And then the third part will be like him and Superman. So I kind of like how it's being paced that way. But for this one, I'm going to have to say kind of like Forever Evil, but not as bad as that one. <laughs> I was expecting, I guess, something more from this issue, but there was nothing wrong with it or truly bad that makes me not like it. But there was some cool stuff within it, but I don't know. Maybe it's just because Batman number 24 was just so awesome that <laughs> this one after that was maybe a little let down because of how great that was. But I don't know. I just felt there was something missing in there where it just didn't grab me like the other issues in the Zero Year storyline has. But, again, some cool moments. The intro was fantastic where we saw <laughs> that Batmobile, which I don't think is going to become my favorite anytime soon, but it's just pretty cool to see it, see what it can do, does that leap, and just how the design is something you wouldn't expect for the first Batmobile. But, like, it'll just sit there and now as a new Batmobile to be in the line of all the history of Batmobiles. <laughs> There's another one added to that list. So the cool intro, how the police couldn't stop it. And then... There was this, one of my favorite section out of this issue was, it was something small, but I liked how Gordon's having that conversation with Bullock and how he thinks Batman is doing these, like, grotesque murders of these scientists who are having their bones just grow out of their body, and it's, like, a real painful way to die, and Bullock's kind of suspecting that Batman's behind it because he's been at all the crime scenes. But Gordon's kind of explained to him, well, what kind of criminal goes to look back to a crime scene to investigate clues after he's done it? And he's kind of explaining to Bullock how, you know, during this time that going, we're going through with Gotham, I'd rather take a lunatic vigilante who's trying to help and do some good. I just like the panel section that we get a glimpse as Gordon's given his monologue. We see Batman help this mother and daughter who are being the store in the store that's getting robbed by these crooks, and Batman helps them, and he just takes out these criminals. I just love how there's that one panel where you see this crook grab this woman by the hair, but in the background you see Batman looking at the little girl, and he has his finger up, like, to say, shh, be quiet, like, don't make any noise, I'm here to help. Then he leaves some supplies for them, and she draws the bat symbol on there. I thought that was pretty cool. That was probably my favorite moment of the issue. And there are some cool cameos there. I mean, we get uh, the first look at uh, Poison Ivy, Pamela Isley, before she became Poison Ivy, how she was uh, working for this botanist who's been killed. And the big villain here in this issue is Dr. Death, who was one of Batman's very first villains that he went up against. I think it was Detective Comics number 29, like the third issue he appeared in. And I kind of like the take Scott Snyder's doing on this. He is a scientist who, in the first appearance all the way back in Detective Comics number 29, he would, like, develop this, like, Paul, this poison pollen he was going to use to have these uh, rich people pay him money or he'll kill them. So it's kind of similar to that where he's using this uh, formula of a pollen to kill these other scientists. And we get the reveal later on that he's pretty much murdering his fellow colleagues from Wayne Enterprises who were hired by Lucius Fox. And I actually didn't never would have saw this coming where Bruce is going to Lucius for some answers about this uh, Dr. Death, but it turns out Lucius is working for him. I'm like, what? Because he injects Bruce in the neck with one of those poisons that's going to make his bones all grow out. And then, cause, but you know Lucius later becomes uh, friends with Bruce and he still works for the company. He helps Batman out. So you're just wondering why is he doing this now? And I'm sure we'll get the answer. Is it not next issues, but probably the issue after. 
And so I thought that was cool. Didn't see that coming. Probably the other highlight of the issue was seeing Batman in his, or not Batman, but Bruce talk to Gordon after he climbs out of the Batcave. And what's really got me curious about that is that Gordon has something to do with the what happened with the Wayne's murders. Not that he was involved, but Bruce accuses him of covering something up. And Gordon tries to explain about what really happened and what what his uh, part was with that night. And I just want to know more. Like, what can Gordon have to do with Thomas and Martha Wayne's murder case? Like, why does Bruce think he covered something up? Because you just think that, like how Batman Begins was, he was there to comfort Bruce, and he was there to help him out during this horrible time. He was the first cop on the scene. So, And, again, you know that they're eventually going to learn to trust and work with each other as Batman and Commissioner, but I just want to find out why does Bruce have this doubt and mistrust for Gordon. I just want to see where that goes. So, like, cool stuff like that was in it, but, again, just wasn't as good to me as the other issues in Zero Year. And the backup was pretty cool, too. We got to see Harper Rowe as a little kid and her brother. I just like the relationship that those two characters have and just seeing why the situation is so messed up, what their a drunk dad who doesn't do anything to help him out, won't even help fix a nightlight for his son. But then no matter how scared he is, uh, she can comforts him by saying, even though we got, like, a rotten father and there's a lot of bad people in Gotham, there are special people out there who are going to help others in this time of need, and we get these panels of, like, showing Red Hood, a Green Arrow, Nightwing, Barbara. I'm a, well, there's obviously the Flash, and there's uh, Green Arrow yep. from their store, John Stewart. John Stewart, yeah. Yeah, so, so I think that was pretty cool to tie all that in. So, yeah, overall, it's a good issue, but just not great as past ones, so I'm just going to give it three and a half out of five rumored DC superheroes who are going to be in the Man of Steel sequel. Kind of sounds weird to say, because I've enjoyed all issues in Zero Year, but for a long story arc like this, I guess there is one that's not going to blow me away. But still, again, a solid issue. It'll probably maybe read better once I read all of them together as one long story. So we'll see. Um, Terrence, did Tim, or Tim, did Alex, <laughs> did Tim say, uh, did Alex read this one? I was trying to remember which, because uh, he was saying that he wasn't liking uh, Zero Year uh, at first, until he got to 24. Did he read 25? Uh, not sure. Um, uh, the only reason I mentioned that, I wonder if, it, if he's going to... email back up. If he's not going to like this one, because I, I was kind of the same way. It's kind of like the Forever <laughs> Evil. Um, I was like, there's some cool... I feel like I'm just going to repeat everything that you're saying. That's kind of freaky. We've been on the same page on every issue. It's <laughs> um... I was excited to get this, and I I read all the zero year um, issues before this one, thinking this is that the you know, Green Lantern Corps and uh, uh, Action Comics and you know Nightwing and Batgirl leading up to this one. And I was like, Hey, Rob, right. yes, sorry. I, before I just go on, I just uh, in his email, Alex said that he Batman twenty five is great. Snyder's run is finally back on being on top of my most anticipated titles. So uh, he didn't go into that much detail, but he did think it was great. And it's funny because I didn't read it, but Tim kind of kept saying like, "Yeah, it wasn't the best," but then kept going on and on about all this great stuff in it. So he gave me <laughs> kind of a mixed, yeah, it's <laughs> mixed weird. Really. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, it's, it's got a lot of great beats into it, but um, it, it is. Uh, this is called uh, Dark City. 
and I think the final like third chapter is going to be called Green City or or something like that. So this is kind of the beginning of like part two of Zero Year. So sometimes the beginning stories start off a little slow. Um, this does tie into the Poison Ivy one shot a little bit with kind of uh, from the uh, Villains Month of kind of what she was doing in uh, Wayne Enterprises and stuff. So it kind of makes a little bit of references in there. Um, there is this really weird that uh, you didn't mention this, Tim. Um, they're in a uh, military convoy yeah. going, going through, was it Nigeria, I think? And they're driving along the desert and they see like a trap door in the middle of a desert. Uh, they get out and look inside and you don't get the resolve of that until the very uh, final page and there's like an explosion and uh, it's unknown kind of what happens to the convoy. And even that, you're wondering how does that tie into the main storyline going on? Yeah, so I kind of went back and read the Green Lantern Corps was thinking, well, was that Jon Stewart? But, you know, Jon Stewart's in Gotham City uh, during this whole time, so I have no idea where that's tying in. I'm sure in typical Scott Snyder fashion, we're going to find out. But, yeah, it's there's some cool beats. Uh, you know, when Bruce is climbing out of the Batcave and Gordon and him have this little talk, and he kind of asks them, you know, well, what's down there? And Bruce is like, well, if you want to look, look. And Alfred's like, well, sh should he really be looking, sir? And he's like, yeah, that, that's fine. Go ahead. And Bruce activates a like a uh, a bat sonar, like from Batman Begins, and all the bats come flying out and uh, kind of spook Gordon. And Bruce says, well, we have generators down there, and you know that's what's powering Wayne Wayne Manor, and uh, kind of plays it off kind of like the Playboy thing. You know, like I need my electricity or whatever, and you know, the generators are too big to have in the mansion, so we had to storm down here in this hole. But the only bad thing is it's it's a bat, and we were just trying to clean them up, you know. So stay with that. Gordon has to have know that yeah. he's Batman after something like that happens. Yeah, bats, bats come out, and then every time Bruce Wayne's around, there's bats, and there's Batman. Come on, put it together. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, it's it's kind of... Next, Terrence, it's like saying, well, it, it's got some good beats. I just, I don't think it, it flows well. Um, so, I, yeah, I'm going to give this uh, three out of five uh, new superheroes of, like, Plastic Man, Aquaman, Cyborg are going to be in uh, the Man of Steel sequel. Yeah, it's weird because I've read nothing but great reviews on it, like nine out of ten... Yeah. There's a lot of great reviews about it. I, I felt kind of weird after I read it. Like, well, I just don't feel the same way. Just one of those things. And I, I, I don't like, like I don't like the car. I thought the car was stupid. <laughs> I mean, there's been a lot of Batmobile designs over the years that some look good, some don't. I don't really get caught up in how the Batmobile looks because we know it's the first one and that helps a lot for me anyway. Even though it yeah. doesn't look that great, like it's understandable why it wouldn't. And another thing I was going to say that maybe I didn't enjoy it as much. I just hope Doctor Death isn't going to be someone where it's going to be too many villains going because <laughs> I thought this one, this new chapter in the Zero Year is going to be all about the Riddler, and he wasn't in this issue at all. So I, I just I, hope it's not going to be like too many villains going on and one outdoes the other. 
I think you hit the nail on the head for me on this one. This is supposed to be a Riddler story, and Pamela Isley, Poison Ivy, is in this. We've already had the Red Hood, a.k.a. the Joker, in it. And we have Dr. Death in this, and the Riddler's blacking out the city. And it's like, I... It, it, it's almost too much. I'm sure Snyder's going to pull it all together, and we're going to get, you know, three more issues down the line, and we're going to go, oh, I get that, and we're going to hopefully appreciate 25, but um, I, I just didn't. Um, on a side note with the two other uh, tie-ins for Green Lantern Corps, the Batman villains that make an appearance are Anarchy for the first time in the New 52 and Killer Moth makes an appearance. Oh, I was waiting for him to come out. Yeah, Killer Moth makes an appearance in Green Arrow. He's calling himself Moth or Mothman. He's like, I need a name. I need a killer name. I thought that was <laughs> That's actually pretty funny. So, yeah, I just wanted to point that out. All right, well, unfortunately, we're ending the comic review section on... See, I don't even want to say a bad note because it's still a good, solid issue, just not a great note. Because <laughs> yeah. when it comes to Scott Snyder, especially when he's done with Zero Year, everything's been awesome. So it just felt a little weird that it's not. But <laughs> I'm sure we'll be saying the exact opposite with issue number 26 because I don't think he's had two issues like that in a row. <laughs> yeah. So, but with that, that is going to end our comic review section and our pretty much episode number 43 of the Bad Fans Without Pants podcast. But... Before we end it, I just want to ask you guys this because it just popped into my head right now. We were talking about the Batman versus Superman movie and all that, but did you see the video that Tim Daly posted on his YouTube channel, <laughs> Kevin Conroy and himself duking it out as Batman and Superman? Yeah, oh, I got to check it out. Yeah, oh, that's pretty so, awesome. Yeah, I don't want to spoil anything, but they tie in with so many uh, References. You, you just have to watch it. If, yeah. If, if you haven't seen it, do yourself a favor. And I think that's uh, his son. Yeah. In there. Yeah. Uh, it's 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 really clever. I don't know who wrote it, but it, they did a really good job at it. There, there's so many so many references and Easter eggs in there. You're like, oh, that's from such and such. That's from such and such. Yeah, it's called the Daily Show. It's their YouTube uh, show that they have. They have okay. some other funny ones where. It was actually Tim Daly, Brandon Roth, and Dean Cain. It was like when Man of Steel was coming out, and they were like saying who's still <laughs> Superman. So that's stuff. But this one yeah. with Kevin Conroy was pretty awesome. So yeah. if you haven't seen it, definitely check it out. It's really worth it. So I'm until- assuming. Oh, so I just say I'm assuming that um, Tim Daly and uh, Kevin Conroy recorded together in the same studio. Um, I'd be shocked if they didn't, but, uh, those two had just great rapport in that animated series. Like, they just played off each other so great, and, uh, yeah, they, I love the Batman Superman stuff, um, in the animated series. Yeah, so I totally agree with that. That's what makes this video even more awesome. <laughs> Cause it's yes. just like you're seeing them in live action doing it. <laughs> but yeah, so definitely check that out. But with that, that's gonna end this episode. So you can, again, you can find us at The Batman Universe at www.thebatmanuniverse.net. And don't forget to check out our sponsor, Tweak Audio, where you could uh, go ahead and enter the promo code Saves, and you'll receive 33% off your entire order and free worldwide shipping. So there's a banner on the website that you can uh, click, or you can just head on over to tweakedaudio.com. And then also you can follow The Batman Universe on Twitter at Batman Universe and on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Batman Universe. And you can also follow us on Twitter, each one of us individually. I'm at TimG311, Rob's at DrummerRod10, and Terrence is at IOD1974. And Dane, even though he doesn't like me giving it out since he never tweets anything, is at Dane7Banana. 
You can also check out our Facebook page, too, at facebook.com slash Podcast. I actually posted that uh, Kevin Conroy, Tim Daly video there, so you can check it out on our Facebook page. So if you haven't seen it yet, go ahead to our Facebook page, give us a like, and check out the video. And if you want, you can also send us an email at batfans27 at gmail.com. So we can have a conversation with other listeners and not just Alex, even though (laughs) (laughs) we enjoy having our conversation with Alex. We'd love to have conversations with more of our listeners. So send us an email about any topic. And also, you can check us out on iTunes. You can leave us a review there, give us a rating, and check out the other Batman Universe podcasts. We're all there on iTunes. And with that, I think that got that has everything covered. And we'll just say goodbye for this episode. And until episode 44, I was going to say may the force be with you because it just sounds so right at the conclude anything. <laughs> but I couldn't think of a Batman line to say, but I'll just leave it as goodbye. <laughs> all right, so... Uh, daylight savings time. Um, the I was driving actually to New York from I, I, in North Carolina, driving to New York, and I was in Maryland, and it was the week of daylight saving. It was like the week after, so things had changed, and there were these two guys from UPS, and they must have been the dumbest guys ever. And uh, I was in a, in, a, in a gas station, and I was in the bathroom going to the bathroom, and they were in the bathroom too, over the conversation. And they were talking about daylight saving. And Lauren had it. It's not believable. The guys that talk about daylight saving are so smart. Every year, they know right what to do and what to say.